On this episode of the podcast, we discuss Fantastic Beasts, the Crimes of Grindelwald. Ooh, that dastardly Grindelwald. I hate that Grindelwald. Dan, what's a Grindelwald? Hey everybody, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey everybody! Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Stuart Wellington, and here's Elliot Kalen coming through the home stretch. Dan, you sound a little down. What's wrong? Do you want you want to know why I've got this sexy, gritty voice this time around? Uh, uh, it sounds the same as normal. This gritty, sexy voice. I don't, I w- why, why do you why do you keep saying gritty? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I love I'm, the Phillies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's yeah, all be clear. Sense. Gritty is the sexiest of the mascots, but he, it's because of his attitude. Because he doesn't care yeah, if you think yeah. he's sexy his, or not. His anarcho anti fascist attitude. <laughs> no, my my great voice right now is a combination of blowing it out singing karaoke yesterday. Uh-huh. And coughing so hard, I puked just minutes before. Oh now, man! Now uh, here's, you gotta take care of your pipes, dude. Yeah. Wait, here's a here's a you, thing. You just puked. That's a, those before. are my money makers. Here's a peek. Here's a peek into how Dan tells me things. Is right before we start recording, Dan's like, "Oh, I've I've been feeling really sick for a few days, and I coughed so hard I almost threw up. So I'm gonna I'm feeling kind of out of it. And I'm like, "Oh, that's too bad. Only now am I learning that he was out singing karaoke all night last night. Maybe not no, the thing to do when you're sick. You no, you, you you've added. You you extrapolated beyond what I said. I said I just said I was coughing so hard, I threw up. I've had this cough for quite some time. It's no, no, not no. related to any cold that no, no. I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, maybe maybe the karaoke is not the best thing to do with the cough. Then you know maybe rest those pipes. Could like be. Dan, Dan, Dan's preparing for this uh, this role as Doc Holliday in a stage production of Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, and he's method, so he's getting way into it. Yeah, I've got consumption, guys. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> Skin that uh, smoke wagon. Let's skin our smoke wagons. Everybody get your smoke wagon skinned. Tombstone. Yeah, that's a great uh, dance number there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Misinterpreted by a lot of people, though. Yeah, yeah, very hard, easy to understand. There's a, there's so the show starts. It's a bare stage, and then a single spotlight on Doc Holliday, and he just looks at the audience. He lifts up his hand. He goes, "I'll tell you a tale of a stone, a very particular stone, a stone Mm -hmm. far from home." Called Tombstone, and that's when the audience goes, "Oh!" Like they finally and then like get it. Like a, a sun rises over the stage, a giant tombstone shows up, and then starts dancing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's when the Erp brothers show up, and they're like, "Erpity Erp, we're the Erps. Erpity Erp, Erp, Erp." Oh wow! It still like, sounds like... better than uh, Manhattan Melody by the Muppets, <laughs> okay. as far as I'm concerned. Dan, we watched that episode. We watched the Muppets take Manhattan with my son, and he loved it. He was eating up that terrible musical that they do. <laughs> okay. Um, also, so guys, wait, did he ask if you guys could go see that next time you guys uh, go to Broadway? Uh, no, no, he really wants to see uh, what the Constitution means to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, he just can't stop talking about it. Uh, I think so guys, ever, we... ever since we got the cast album for what the Constitution means to me, he just wants to hear it all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, what do we do on this podcast? I'll answer that. Uh-huh, cool. It's a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And this time we watched Fantastic Beasts, 
The crimes of Grundlebutt. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you were going to do it normal style, but you uh, threw a little curveball at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. He really grizzled that walled. This uh-huh. is part of the Fantastics Beastiverse. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, technically it's the Harry itself Potter. Itself is part wizard. of the Harry Potter. It's, it's the Wizarding World is what it's called. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the wizard. Now, guys, I'm going to ad- admit something here. I'm not super familiar with the Harry Potter world. I saw the first movie and the fifth movie. And I mm-hmm. uh, and I did not see the first. Best way to do it. <laughs> it's called machete style. So uh, you're you're admitting to be a little bit of a a little bit of a can't spell, a little bit of a nomad. I mean, I mean, I think it is funny that can't this this movie is the first time I heard can't spell as a uh-huh. slur for humans, and I thought it was hilarious. He's <laughs> yeah, like, it was kind of great. He's like the muggles, the nomadges, the can't spells, and it's like, well, we can spell. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a matter of like I Fair can spell enough. things. I mean. Based on the way a lot of their words are spelled, I think we're doing better than that. Yeah, but uh, so I'm going to try to do, I want to promise this, I'm going to make this promise to you guys, I'm going to make it to the audience, I'm going to try uh-huh. not to do the thing where I assume the movie is being <laughs> obtuse just because I haven't seen the other movies and don't know don't know the terminology or whatever, like, and don't yeah. know the characters. It's like, I went yeah. to see a little movie called Avengers Endgame, and... Yeah, you're going to shut the fuck up about it. And right? I won't say anything about it, except that... I really enjoyed it. But uh, I will say that in that I was like – I feel like with the Avengers movies, we are past the point where people can say, "Uh, it doesn't really stand alone as its own movie. If you haven't seen the other ones, you don't understand because that one is so explicitly the end point of a 20-some-odd movie series. So I'm going to say Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm going to treat you the same way. If I don't understand what's going on in the movie, that's sometimes my fault because for not uh-huh. seeing the other movies because there's lots of stuff in this movie <laughs> that didn't make sense that seems to have just sprung out of the movie – yeah, and I think I think Dan and I are both a little more familiar. Like, yeah, we've I've definitely read all the books and seen all the movies. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I've also read all the books and seen all uh, the movies, including the first Fantastic Beast. And I think we both agree. And I've also seen the stage play. Oh wow! So <laughs> hashtag keep the okay. Secret. I mean, this isn't a contest, <laughs> but sure, you win. And I know a person who went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, <laughs> okay. in Florida. <laughs> Great. Uh, I mean, I know someone I named both... Harry. Uh huh. <laughs> we both agree. That this movie made very little sense. Okay, so. yeah. that's good to know. Uh, so, should we talk about what this movie is and try to puzzle out what what exactly the crimes of Grindelwald are? And so, this, sure. this is the second movie in a prequel series <laughs> that follows what eight movies? Uh, there were eight, yeah, eight Harry Potter yeah. movies. Those are set in modern day. Uh, mm-hmm. And then these are set in the Roaring Twenties. That's right. Which, it's, it's which just, you should love, right? Because you like old-timey bullshit. Okay, guys. Let's just start before I even get in the movie. Here's one thing I'm going to say right off the bat. Do I love old-timey <laughs> bullshit? You know I do. I love the past, uh, past fantastic pasts, and where to find them mm-hmm. in the past, mm-hmm. where they exist. Uh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I love. Here's the thing. Movie makers, I'm just going to lay a secret on you. They had more colors in the past than sepia brown, and kind uh-huh. of a murky green brown, yeah, like a and a, gray, a gunmetal so, sort of yeah, color. Everything in the like so many movies now that are set in the past, and I mean this goes back twenty years now. So many movies set in the past, they're like the photographs from the past are all sepia and black and white. I guess that's just what it looked like back then. Like they, they're. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the comic strip where Calvin's dad tells him that the past was in black and white, and that's why old pictures are in black and white? But then the Elliot, color do I remember a specific Calvin and Hobbes comic? I think you know the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's. I feel like they, that was their dad, and they're like, in the past, they didn't yeah. have as many colors, and then in 1968, they invented colors. 
That's not the way it was, guys. The color red existed back then. Bright blues and yellows existed. Uh So next time you're making a movie set in the past, Hollywood, color it up. Come on. Don't be afraid of the... Taste the rainbow. You know? Skittles everywhere. (laughs) Sure. She'll save that for the uh, sponsor section, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the movie is set in 1927. That's right. Only two years before the Great Depression begins. So (laughs) everyone's still having a great time. They have no idea. Uh, Yeah. And we're at like... A pr- we're in the American Magic Ministry's dungeon prison where Grindelwald, uh-huh. who's kind of like a magic old man, he's stuck uh-huh. in a cell with a little creature, and the Americans <laughs> yep. are handing him over to the British for punishment for his crimes. The aforementioned crimes of Grindelwald, which are not delineated here, it seems yep. like things are pretty – there's no paperwork. Like things are pretty cash between in, pr- <laughs> in prisoner handovers between America and Britain. He actually, he actually just sawed off a bunch of uh, parking meters like in the beginning of Cool Hand Luke. Oh, yeah, That's... like uh, in Cool Hand Grindelwald. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure, that this is a remake of. And he yeah. goes, what we have here is a failure to communicados, and then a <laughs> and then a kind of spell a, that a bunch of bunch of eggs flying to people's mouths. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're like, I bet you can't eat all these eggs. Ovos consumo, and then he just. <laughs> oh yeah. man, what other movies would be made so much more fun if the characters could just use spells? <laughs> is it? Is it? Uh, if it was, it would really, it would take some of the... Cer- certainly Kramer versus Kramer would be more interesting. <laughs> Custodium. It'd be a Diviso. wizarding duel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kramer versus Kramer is probably the least of the kaiju movies, when you think about it. <laughs> like right down there with Godzilla versus Megalon is Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm uh, just, Dustin I'm just... Hoffman is slightly less than normal size. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and I'm kind of sick of those giant monster movies when it's just two of the same monster. We already yeah, got yeah. one Kramer. We don't need a second Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> well, what if it was Kramer from Seinfeld versus Meryl Streep from Kramer versus Kramer? <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> Although, to be honest, right. two Kramers from Seinfeld versus each other, it, they're perfectly matched. What would happen? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, they, also, they mentioned that they removed Grindelwald's tongue to keep him from sweet-talking the guards to let him out. Uh-huh. This is something that, doesn't seem to go like his anyway he escapes he somebody comes and helps him escape there's lots of crazy magic there's an aerial chase involving a horse and carriage but the horses have big bat wings and i have yep. to admit guys i could not follow what was happening no in this i scene. had no idea what the fuck was happening it, it, was, it was just like uh, explosion it was, it was magic very, magic for for an action sequence like that's incredibly complicated and not organized very well they also don't really they don't they assume that you know everything about this situation already. Like, it feels like going into this movie, they assumed you had just finished watching the first Fantastic Beasts, maybe gone out to the bathroom, come back, refreshed your snacks, and then started the, this movie. Well, they assume that you went to see the Fantastic Beasts marathon that was playing uh-huh. at AMC to set you up for this. It's just one movie, so it actually wasn't that bad a marathon to sit yeah. through. Uh, but yeah. but there's a kid that has like a necklace in his mouth, I guess, and I think that has something to do with Grindelwald getting his voice back. But I have no idea; it's not explained. No, it's so uh, this kid no, shows up. This is something else entirely. Oh, is it? And, and, this, and they did a body swap too. They did yeah, face off thing. It, it where turns the out in the carriage, snake tongue. The carriage is actually some other dude who works for Grindelwald, and Grindelwald suddenly is driving the carriage and he fills the carriage with water and then he's shooting magic everywhere. And but it's one of those things where it's like so if Grindelwald was not in the carriage. Why what is he doing? Why is so he's breaking out a guy who looks like Grindelwald? 
I don't understand. It does anyway. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Stuart, I mean, explain. I think he needed to get that charm back from the guy. I think a different guy had the charm he needed, and I guess he just wanted that really cool carriage. And he also wanted <laughs> the guy he body swapped with that uh, I think lost his tongue. I mean, his tongue's just split in half. I mean, you can get that done at a like a tattoo parlor. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, there are people who do that on purpose. Magic or nothing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean. It's it's just very complicated and it uh it it didn't bode well for the rest of the movie at least for me. No, and also I was yeah. disappointed that Grindelwald cuz I guess he's been kind of in jail possibly for a while. He has a long beard and long hair and he looks like uh, a homeless wizard uh and uh, then he, he kind of looked like that at the end of the first movie when Colin Farrell morphed into him. Oh okay. But then uh later on when we see him he's had a haircut and a beard trim. And now he just looks like he has a mustache and hair made of frosting, like he's an ice cream yeah. mascot that went mad uh-huh. at some point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very disappointing. Okay, so Grindelwald has escaped. Oh, no. Oh, no. Grindelwald, committer of the aforementioned not truly defined crimes that we don't know what they are. Uh, we cut to London three months later, and here's our hero, Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne, uh, and mm-hmm. he's at the British Ministry. Known for his red mane. Now, Eddie Redmayne <laughs> could be a wizard, right? That's a wizard name. It's a yeah, better wizard name true. than Newt Scamander, which is, it's, <laughs> his name is Newt. Up for debate. His name is Scamander. He's talking about salamanders all throughout the movie. His brother's name, mm-hmm. Theseus. It, so it's it feels like the parents were really tipping the scales when they're like, ah, our eldest, Theseus, you shall be a great wizard. Here comes Newt. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, like if you like when you your your parents name you Jeeves, you're gonna be a butler. Uh-huh. If they name yeah. you Theseus, you'll be a hero of some kind. If they name you Newt, you're gonna be like uh-huh. a stuttering, irritating yeah. kind I of mean, cold, weird guy. I mean, most likely what you're guy. gonna do is you're going to hang out with Ripley and kill yeah. an alien. Yeah, I was yeah, I was gonna say there's I've got I've got a place in my heart for only one fictional Newt, and it's from Aliens. <laughs> yeah. Mine is the Newt that John Cleese said he got turned into in Monty Python: <laughs> okay. and The Holy Grail. That's a good Newt. <laughs> but but fair, they're both better Newts. Yeah, You've built up quite a backstory for this Newt. Now, here's the thing. Maybe in the first movie, which I didn't see again, Newt Scamander was like a really charismatic, like, nope. eccentric, nope. like somebody nope. who, like, had a lot of charm, but also, like, played by his own rules, so he was kind of cool. Because in here he comes off as a real creep. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a socially awkward guy, and I guess there's space for that, like, I think it's interesting that you choose a socially awkward character um, who doesn't, you know, has trouble fitting in as your hero, but... And I don't think I'll ever say this about any movie ever again. They cast him next to Dan Fogler, who should have been the hero of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dan Fogler is is much more interesting and fun to watch. I think yeah, at times I mean, he has more screen time. Like, yeah. Eddie Redmayne is supposed to be the hero of the movie, and yet he's actually not in that. It feels like he disappears from the movie for large periods of time. Well, I think the point of... To, uh, to defend... The idea behind Newt Scamander, oh, no, not I, the I actual performance. No, I understand the I idea because he's a, he's no. Like, I'm just he's an for the audience. Okay, explain let me to the explain. Audience, yeah. I think the notion is he's this awkward guy. He's a extreme pacifist who only cares about his his special animals, his menagerie, his menagerie of, of beasts, animals, and so he doesn't want to like take any side in anything that's going on. And he's this character who is forced to then. Step up and overcome this kind of diffidence, yeah. and like become engage, a, with the engage world. with the world. And but they make him so like retiring that he disappears off the screen. Yeah, I mean, it's in some ways he he seems like a bad doctor from a bad 
couple seasons of Doctor Who, where it's yes. like, oh, here's this kind of strange eccentric who is very powerful, but does things for his own reasons and is and is reluctant to like play the hero, but gets thrown in the role. And it's like, but he's so, yeah, he just is so non-existent as a personality. That, and he and yeah. he talks like this. Sometimes it's a fantastic beast. Like so much of the movie is where it's like, ah, what what's that thing? Oh, that's a gliskinlusk. It's a type of animal. I just and it's like, yeah, Eddie Redmayne. I think the movie should have a little sign that's like, turn on the captions now. Oh, I turn the captions on real early for this movie. But he's so there's some flaws in him as a character. There's a good way to do that character. And it is weird that in the captions they spell nomadge with a J instead of a G. I think because then it looks like it says nomag. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but I don't know. I guess magic if Clive Barker's spelling it. <laughs> yeah, Clive Barker did a punch up on the subtitles. On this. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, suddenly it's about a midnight meat train. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason that. Uh, for no reason at all, there's a scene where a character is, uh, wakes up to find that another character has entered them in the night, and they're very happy about it. Yeah. Uh, which was, I think, the scene that I got to while I was reading a Magica, where I was like, "Okay, I'm going to close this book now and just going to set it aside." <laughs> Bye. Uh, um, the so uh, I'll say there's the, the the reluctant hero. It's a real great trope. One of my favorite heroes of all time. You guessed it. Adam Warlock is a reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. He's the best. Yeah. There's good ways to do it. Okay, so Eddie Redmayne, Newt's commander. He's at the British Ministry. He's got this little kind of mini Groot plant man named Pickett, and he's also got yeah. like a little platypus dude whose name I don't remember, and there's little hench, yeah. hench beasts. The rest of his beasts yeah, yeah. he keeps inside of a magic suitcase. Uh, yeah, which is which is like, as my wife put it, one of the like coolest magic things. The idea that you have like a, a suitcase you carry around with you that's full of like a house and monsters and stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's really it reminds me of a. I think something Peter Gabriel used to do in concert when he was performing Sledgehammer is he would <laughs> walk into a on big suitcase. <laughs> what? Sorry, he'd get it, he'd, he'd disappear into a suitcase. Well, no, he would. He would. <laughs> the way it was described to me is he would take a suitcase and put it on the on the stage and open it up, and then the band would walk out of the suitcase. Oh, cool! There was, like there was a trapdoor on the stage that the suitcase went over. Yeah, and they would play the song, and then as they were finishing the song, Don't the band spoiled the trick for me, <laughs> so, Elliot. Sorry, yeah, yeah. no. So imagine yeah, the, no. the mass magician is going to come and chop you your know, head clear- off. <laughs> no, the mass magician was the one who was giving away the secrets. <laughs> and that's, oh, they, uh, wow, I thought, well, maybe uh, he sees that you're coming for his throne. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, the, the revealing throne. Uh, but And I, maybe it was the same, Dan, maybe it was the same magic snoot case that Newt used to use. I mean, this was 60, 70 years later. But that, you just said snoot case, right? <laughs> yeah, he did say snoot case. Did I say snoot but case? But I, I, unlike Elliot, let, decided to let it go. Look, you oh, gotta man. you got to keep your snoot somewhere. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that, and then when they finished the song, the band would walk back into the suitcase, and he would close it up, and and walk oh, off the stage with it, which is a pretty cool trick. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, I mean, it's so, an illusion, but you can only do it once. <laughs> yeah, because the suitcase crushes them to death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, uh, so he's in trouble for whatever happened last movie. Something happened in New York that was bad. But his brother Theseus, who works for the British Ministry as an orer. Which is a kind uh-huh. of magic secret policeman, Ma- magic, I guess. Yeah, magic yeah. cops. Yep. It's a magic cop. They should just call them magic cops, but spell it with a J, like Clive Barker uh-huh. would. Yeah, uh-huh. yep. And uh, a K for cops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they uh, they want him. They say we need your help stopping Grindelwald from taking over the world with his magic army. And there's a boy named Credence who I guess was in the last movie. Mm-hmm. 
who yep. is un, who, played by who, Ezra Miller and Credence D, DC's Flash. Yep, and yep. Uh, Credence is trying to figure out who his parents were, and everyone knows he's a super powerful wizard, but they don't know where he came from. And Grindelwald wants Credence to join his army. We'll find out why. So after I'm gonna stop you right there. I think so, it's for a Clearwater revival. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> So Credence was in the first movie, and he was this like abused kid uh, who lived in an orphanage, and he was, uh, and he was, what happens when a wizard is uh, doesn't have a way to express their powers? So it like builds up in him and creates this like other being that's like just pure destructive energy that flies around oh, that he okay. can't control. And Grindelwald, in the form of Colin Farrell, was like gaslighting slash abusing uh, this kid to try and make him more and more powerful. And then, like, it kind of felt like, for some reason, I thought he died at the end of the first movie, but clearly that didn't happen. No. Uh, so, uh, but it felt like his story, at least in that movie, that kid's story was over. But I guess not because he's in this one. No, because it's as with the Pirates of the Caribbean or the Avengers movies, you never introduce a character. And then be done with them. You got to bring them back so it like keeps accumulating characters like a snowball rolling down a hill. So to get this, to put it in layman's terms that I think everyone will understand, Credence is kind of like the Century plus Kid Miracle Man. Uh huh. Yep. Okay. Great. Everyone understands that. That's everyone's trying to catch that kid. Is what you're saying? (laughs) They're trying to catch that kid, and also in a weird way, kid that catch. I'll explain why in a minute. Uh, (laughs) There's no way to explain it. The phrase doesn't make sense. So. the ministry is like, Newt, we want you you're you can't leave the country with permission with our permission unless you go after Credence. And Newt is like, No, I've got to protect Credence. And so the ministry is gonna send some dude named Grimson, who I guess is supposed to be like a magic assassin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I laughed very hard because he like just at the end of the meeting where Newt like turns down the job, he just like walks out from behind a pillar, which or I guess he's just been lurking the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, Well, I guess you're gonna have to send me and it's the most ominous thing. Like, what why were you just hanging out yeah. there, dude? Yeah, and, this, and it means if Newt was like, okay, I'll do it, that Grimson would just have to stand waiting behind the pillars till, <laughs> till everyone left the room. <laughs> and then sneak out. Yeah, uh, he's like, I'm glad I brought some magic almonds in my pocket to snack on because uh, this is a long wait. So I think what the movie is telling us, what the Harry Potter stories tell us is that if you're not a wizard, it sucks to be a kid. Like, you're either living under some stairs or you're in a bad orphanage. Like, only wizards have good childhoods, I guess, in the Harry Potter world. Well, I mean, it's. I think it's complicated, but sure. Okay. I mean, this is based on a sample set of two. I think, I think if you are a wizard and you're forced to live with humans, it's tough because you're not able to be yourself. I guess that's true. And you know what? This movie's all about being yourself, I think. It was kind of hard because uh, because uh, coming up, we only introduced a few of the characters. OK, Grendelwald, he sets up his he- oh headquarters God, in France so to do that. He has to kill a baby. We never see that baby that, again. The thing I like about that scene is they they go into this room. They see a baby. He leaves his henchmen. You see the henchmen sh- like you see the like explosion. So the henchman clearly kills the baby. And then Grindelwald closes the door behind him. So his henchman is like. Just in the room with a dead baby? Like, what are they going to do in there? Grindelwald's like, I don't care what you have to do to get rid of this thing. Eat it. 
whatever. Burn it, throw it away. I don't care. Yeah. I don't need to. Yeah. Know. Like, but I'm going to close the door. You wait like a couple of minutes and then leave because well, it's more ominous. Dude, he apparates that those baby remains away the way that they used to do with shit. <laughs> apparently, according to J.K. Rowling, yeah, Dan is referring to J.K. Rowling's ability to say weird ass <laughs> shit about her series. Like, and what is this? What was the thing she said this time? Was that she uh, said that, that wizards didn't adopt plumbing for quite a while, or they didn't? They didn't take. They would just shit themselves and magic the shit away. It, it's, it, it's like J.K. Rowling spent years building up this this fictional universe, and now she got hit on the head with a coconut. And she thinks it's really stupid, and now she's just like, I gotta, I gotta make this sound as dumb as possible. Yeah, like, like yeah, she. It's, t- like, it's like the belief that. Ozzy Osbourne, when Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes were in that plane accident and uh, Randy Rhodes died, there's a belief that Ozzy Osbourne actually died and that, like, that Sharon found somebody else entirely to be Ozzy, and that's why Ozzy's so weird now. <laughs> because what, that doesn't match up with the previous Ozzy, who was also pretty I, weird? But, like, Ozzy's like a Yoda grandma now, and I guess he <laughs> was different back then. Uh, I mean, that's the, that's also the aging process, I guess, but it's a good theory. I guess we should run with wait, it. Wait, that's going to happen to all of us? Uh, I hate to break it to you, Stu, but yes, very much so. Oh, no. Uh, the We're all going to have our own reality show that our family begrudgingly agrees to be on. Uh, okay. I, mean, so, I think the rest of the family was very excited to be on it because they weren't necessarily famous before the the show. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, you mean you mean the man that came off the worst and looking like a senile old grandpa on the show was maybe the one who didn't want to do the show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it wasn't the big decision maker. Uh, so it's like J.K. Rowling was like, "Hey, you know what makes a lot of money? I assume red letter media videos that savage." fictional stuff what if i monopolized it by making the thing and then doing my own red letter media type thing (laughs) so she's like oh i guess these wizards just magic their shit away oh i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah like found a plot hole magic doesn't exist idiot (laughs) (laughs) goofs Uh, more put that in the goof section yeah Uh, uh, I would. I hope that's in the goof section on IMDb where it's like the movie posits that in 1927 there was a war of wizards. In reality, in 1927 there was no war of wizards. <laughs> uh, so uh, Scamander he uh, he meets up with Dumbledore himself, played by Jude Law. This is the Dumbledore from the later movies. This is a character I've heard of. Uh, the Dumbledore who was revealed as gay by J.K. Rowling. After the fact, and but it plays into these movies, I guess, and that's why she yeah. started talking about it. Uh, she said, uh, he says, Credence is in Paris, and they've got to find out if he's this fabled, like pure blood wizard that can do whatever is super powerful. They got to find out. And Dumbledore's like, Scamander, you've got to go there and do something. Like it's not really clear what he wants Newt to do in Paris after he finds Credence. But uh, first, Newt. I is- think he, I think he wants him to find credence and also stand up to Grindelwald or something because he keeps saying over and over that he can't do anything. Yes. Even though, at least according to everyone, he's the most powerful wizard in the the world. Everyone's like, you got to take care of him. And he's like, I can't, I can't. And you're like, just just reveal the plot development that tells me why he can't. Like, it's so obvious- what that he like, can't more- I start suspecting that there's magic involved and I don't live in a world with magic. I would imagine they would be like, uh is it because of this? Is it because of this other thing? <laughs> yeah. Like we all went to wizard school. We know all these things. Because all and he never explains to anybody. So it's just assumed that he's a jerk. It's like yeah. hey, uh Hitler's coming up and you've got that anti-Hitler ray that you invented. Why don't you use it? I can't. Is there a reason why you can't? I just can't. Don't ask me about it. Okay, then you're a monster, right? No, no, no. I just, I just can't. And later, it turns out like, 
I I double dog dare promised that I would never shoot Hitler. Oh, now I understand. Okay, well, can I use that Hitler gun then? Okay, go ahead. Take it. You know, it's like, it's not that different from that. Anyway, we'll get to it. Wait, I I just want to say, like, I want to say that Elliot's explaining this much more clearly than the movie explains it. Like, so I was watching this, uh, I was watching this with my girlfriend, who I haven't mentioned before because she didn't really want to be a character on the podcast. Too late. Yeah, you just you just kept doing like vague references to the person you're watching. A well, movie that, with. that's why I'm mentioning her now because she got tired of being like my movie watching friend. So, so okay, let's it, let's just get everything out in the open. Dan has a girlfriend now. Her name is Pippi. She's mm-hmm. really lovely. She's got long she work- stockings. She's got long stockings. She works as a sanitation worker using her prodigious strength to lift up couches and things like that and mattresses. Uh, but anyway, she, her point was like she watched the movie and was as angry as it, at it as I was. And she was like, the movie, the movie's plot is the simplest plot. Yes. Like the bad guys and the good guys all want to find the same guy. But it took her, she said, like almost two thirds of the movie to figure out that that was the plot because it's bumbled. Yeah. It's fumbled so badly. I mean, it's a it's a failure of both writing in terms of making anything clear and also directing in that. The scenes are not are not clearly shot or staged or acted or anything. Yeah. Like, everything is so – and the movie, it has that look that uh, British masterpiece theater productions have where the image is not quite as clear as it should be and the and everything is kind of like <laughs> – it's staged almost as if the movie is ashamed that you're watching it and is try, is like, oh, uh, well, let's just get this over with real, real quick and quiet so that we don't bother anybody uh, and they can get on with their lives and they don't have to worry about this movie too much. Like it, the movie is so reserved that – Later, when uh, when Newt is riding a lion serpent beast chasing after some demon cats, or after that, when wizards are creating a ring of fire to keep blue fire dragons from destroying London, I was like, Paris. It, it felt like you're having a conversation in another room and you don't want the other people at the party to hear what you're saying because it's like you're arguing with uh, with a loved one. Like it, it, yeah. The whole thing is done as if it would prefer you were not watching it and you were looking at something <laughs> else. Uh, so, okay. Uh, there's this is important stuff. So of course Newt only has a little bit of time to go to his house full of creatures and ride a kelpie around. Now is mm-hmm. the is that kelpie from the first movie or is it just a random monster? I think it, I think it's new. It's a new monster. Okay, but he's at home, so that's when his New York buddies Queenie and Jacob stop by. Uh oh, uh-huh. there are a couple of laugh em ups. Now I I remember in the first movie finding their relationship kind of charming. Yeah, and it felt like such a weird way to in, like reintroduce them. Uh, they're like they're a couple where he is a he is a nomad, meaning he has no ability to use magic. He's a can't spell. He can't spell. <clears throat> yep, and she is uh, she is a wizard, and she mm-hmm. has and, the power to read minds, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and she's sort of like a a bit of a, like a dizzy Marilyn Monroe type, a yeah, little like bit. Like Audrey, like Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like a Jackie Gleason in the Honeymooners type. It's a lot. It's yeah. like. It's played it's, by Dan Fogler in this case, and it's like the characters should clash in funny ways, and maybe they do in the first movie. Eddie Redmayne is always like, "Oh, well, blah, 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 blah," and they're like, "Hey, good to see you, Newt, old pal, old buddy. Hey, oh, Newt, oh, it's so wonderful to see you. Oh, so sweet, da da da." Like that's the way they talk, basically. Yeah. Like they, they're, yeah. they're like characters that stepped out of a Looney Tunes cartoon, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, I feel like in the first movie. All the characters had a, these two characters had a little more internal life, maybe like they had something going on in their life other than their most immediate relationship drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they they're ha- they have some drama because they cannot be married at least in America because uh, wizards can't marry, uh, you know, can't spells. 
Uh, so she has enchanted him and taken him to London to I don't know get married to him. It's like well and then she they she get like in a fight and she disappears. He basically won't... just dropping him off so he can go on an adventure. Yes, he's she put a spell on him to overcome his uh, his objections to their getting married since it's illegal. And Newt breaks that spell and they get into a fight and she runs off. They also drop the news in the most artificial way possible. Oh yeah, so so. Tina is that her name? Your your girlfriend from the first movie, Tina Goldstein. Yeah. She's uh, uh-huh. she's dating somebody new, and we saw it in this famous Wizards magazine. And it was uh-huh. not it's not Wizard magazine published by Gareth <laughs> Sheamus because if it was Wizard, <laughs> no. Wizard magazine, I would have read that issue because I was a religious subscriber to Wizard for years. You know, yeah, Dan, yeah. you're familiar with Wizard, the guide to comics, I assume. Yeah, and then yes, issue I'm of Wizard familiar. Magazine from 1927 would have been worth quite a bit of money. I'm familiar I mean, with the giant ads of Red Sonja in a thong that would always stick in the middle of that magazine. Yeah, sure. So it made it hard to read on the bus. And the casting call where they would yeah. cast movies based on who looked most like a superhero. Exactly. Uh, what, uh, what movie would they be casting in 1927? I mean, there was only... There were no superheroes <laughs> at the time. So it would be like the Fu Manchu movie or like maybe uh, like uh, the spider, like a pulp hero. That's the oh, thing. cool. They would, they'd go to the price guide in the back of a 1927 issue of Wizard, and it would say, no comics yet. Come back later. <laughs> it, it, would say, it would say, famous funnies number one, only comic, 25 cents. <laughs> uh, I also have to say that in this scene, they wave away the fact that in the first movie, Dan Fogler had his memory wiped, so he would not remember anything about the Wizards, and they just wave it away being like, Oh, you know, that spell only takes away bad memories, but I didn't have any bad memories. They're only good memories. So I remember, and it's just like, that's a pretty big fucking loophole in this spell. <laughs> yep. It's a huge, like, if you were going to do that, why didn't you just come up with something like, yeah, we remember we gave you a potion at the end of the last movie, so the spell wouldn't work on you, remember? Yeah. <laughs> or, or just don't. Like, oh, we yeah. crossed our fingers behind our back when we made that spell. Or just don't do that spell, since yeah. clearly for the next movie he needs to remember all this stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, they also tell him that, they're like, we saw you in this wizard magazine that you got engaged to Lita Lestrange. Congratulations. And he's like, no, it's my brother Theseus who is engaged to Lita. And I'm like, It's what? the silliest bullshit. <laughs> it's so dumb. And they, like, it's the fakest, like, forced drama. <laughs> Uh, where they're like, well, Tina's mad at you now. and it's Due to this take, misprint. Like, it's, yeah, it's going to take two-thirds of the movie before you have a chance to explain. And when you do have a chance, it's going to take forever because you're not good at that. Yeah, because he's like you're, a because you're dithering a, idiot. Because he's a stuttering, mumbling prick, as Joe Pesci might say. Uh, yeah. the, the, uh, there's also uh, something about the names in the movie where they're like, it's like, J.K. Rowling's like, I need some fantastical names for these characters. Newt Scamander, Theseus Scamander, Albus Dumbledore, Grimblewald, Tina Goldstein. And I'm like, uh. And I was saying to, da- to my wife, I was like, uh, she was watching with me, and I was like, she's, she's like, Tina Goldstein is not the most exciting name. I'm like, maybe that's an exotic sounding name to J.K. Rowling. I don't know how many Jewish people she knows. Like, I don't know. But uh, so, uh, so Queenie runs off. Jacob goes on an adventure with Newt. Uh, and then and Newt learns that Tina is in Paris also. So Newt and Jacob set off to Paris, courtesy of a magic bucket that they jump into. <laughs> they go to a they go to a, a rocky cliff so that they can jump into a magic bucket and get into Paris. Meanwhile, we cut to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, a lot of these spells have like these little filigrees and, and like doodads that you're like, is that necessary for the spell? Like, why? I'm like, is why it, is the bu- why is there they, a bucket and why is the bucket on a cliff? Like, why does that specifically? Yeah, like, how spe- what what universe is this where the natural the natural magical laws of the universe say to travel from England to France you need to put a bucket on a cliff and then get and then jump in it? Um, so uh, Tina's. 
he, she goes to Paris and she walks through a magic statue to get to magical and, and Paris, Tina, where there's. Did we mention that Tina is a magic cop? Oh, Tina is also an Auror. Yeah, she's yeah, a magic. She's a U.S. Cop. magic cop. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's she. It's just like the so second she's way Kingsman out of her movie, jurisdiction. basically. Yeah, actually, where is her jurisdiction? She works for the American Ministry, and they're and the British Ministry is also there, and they're all both in Paris, which the France French has its own ministry. So, like, what's yeah. the? Do they just have and the a, French? The French don't seem to recognize that she's even there, so maybe she's operating, you know, under deep cover. I think that could be it. And I'm, Tina's I'm like Nicole Kidman in Destroyer. <laughs> Tina's, pl- <laughs> Tina's played by Catherine Waterston, who you may know from Inherent Vice or being Sam Waterston's daughter. Uh, in case you want to visualize, I mean, in case you're character. friends with the Waterston family, that's where you would yeah. know her from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send her a card to con- congratulate her for being in. Randall Wine. So she's it goes to a what a street fair. It's a magic circus. Magic part of a magic circus. And that's where that's where Credence is working. And he's in love with a woman named Nagini, who's on display uh-huh. because she turns into a snake sometimes. Now, uh, now this is like a magic th- circus, right? Yeah. Because like, I was confused why all these magicians were amazed by a lady turning into a snake. Well, because she's a, she's like, a freak because she has, she has a curse on her where she's <coughs> much like Cobra Commander in the GI Joe. Movie where they go after Sir, where they build Serpentor, right? Or they go to Cobra yeah. Law, whatever it is. They, uh, yeah, it's she's she's turning into a snake over time until one day she will be just a snake. Yeah, I mean, I guess humans oh, go to yeah, see yeah. things that are not amazing all the time. Like I went to the Brooklyn Museum the other week, and there's a whole section of it that's just farm animals, and I'm like, uh, can we skip this section? And my girlfriend's like, no, we'll see. Let's go see the farm animals. I'm like, but I grew up near farms. I don't like why. And I mean, then Dan, I went that and saw them, and I'm like, your- oh, the sheep. The sheep are still cute. Honk shoe, been there, done that. Uh, it's yeah. also I like how it's your frame of reference. You're like farm animals are boring. Everyone agrees with that. No, they're not. I live in a city. I never see animals of any kind except pigeons and rats. What what is this thing? A pig? A sheep? These are fantastic yeah. beasts. Where do I find them? <laughs> <laughs> and at the and Brooklyn da- Museum, I guess. And <laughs> Dan's like Brooklyn Museum, making me look at farm animals. This is a crime worthy of Grindelwald. I guess. <laughs> I mean, the, the moral of the story was that I did enjoy seeing the farm animals. So, <laughs> okay. I, uh, so I guess go to that magic circus, wizards. They're going to be stuff yeah. that, you, that you're excited to see. Yeah. There's also so this this is important because. Nick Nagini, as a snake, is a is a big part of the original Harry Potter books because she is one of she is the familiar and one of the Horcruxes of uh, of Voldemort. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes, and so uh, we just thought it was a big evil snake, but in fact, it's an Asian lady. <laughs> yeah, there was. There, I think she's Korean. I believe uh, there's part a, of Asia, Dan. No, I know, but I was going to be a little more specific. Okay, just, that's fair. Uh, uh, but I think there was like a bit of a controversy about like, oh, like this 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 woman like this Horcrux that gets destroyed in this later book turns out she was like this innocent Korean lady, uh, and there was like a bit of like a that's a weird choice, guys. Like let's just I mean I- yeah, and it's it's also weird because like. She doesn't do anything at all in the movie. No, yeah. she doesn't. She barely even helps Credence. She's just there to as basically window dressing. For I mean, she's the reason that Credence leaves his job at the circus. I guess, but why yeah, did he ever yeah. need to have a job at the circus? Like it. But it does- they, and they they, I feel like they're both underserved in the like a movie that is already too stuffed. They're both underserved in that they don't 
they like we don't really get either of their motivations other than Credence's basic I need to know about my family. I mean, not since Waiting for Godot has a character been so talked about and yet done so little in a yeah. in a in a dramatic production. Like every scene is it's like Poochie. Like every scene's like where's Credence? Got to find Credence. What's Credence up to? And then you see Credence and he's like buh, buh, buh. I wish I knew who my parents were, buh, buh, and that's it. He doesn't do anything else. So uh, anyway, there's yeah, also... We, we, we have an orphan listener right now who is slamming stop and dragging this into their I uh, I apologize. File. I am in no way... Look, if you don't know who your parents are, I totally understand wanting to get that closure on your life and your background. I would, If you had magic powers, I would imagine you might be able to do it in a more exciting way than Credence does, which is mainly <laughs> yeah. wandering around Paris with a mopey look on his face mm-hmm. with his girlfriend. He is, this Credence is not a fortunate son. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think there's a very bad moon rising. Is that a Credence Clearwater song? <laughs> yep. Okay. Good work. Uh, is, is, uh, is, wait, is also that He's Looking Out My Back Door song? Is that jungle. one? Yep. Yep. What? Okay, because it's like he should be doing more than dude, 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 looking out his back door. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe no, he sh- maybe he should fear the Reaper. No, that's Blue Oyster Cult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, different band. Okay, so yeah. uh, anyway, they escape in the in the process. They let loose a kind of giant lion monster serpent, and Tina huh? finds this guy whose name I could never catch, who is who says, "Oh, Credence is this is a pure blood, and I'm looking for him." Uh, then Gr- Grindelwald shows up to Credence. And say, oh no, it doesn't show up. Sorry, he just talks about how he wants Credence because Credence is the only wizard who can kill Albus Dumbledore. Bump, bump, bum. Uh, magic bucket. Newt goes to where the circus was, and he investigates by kind of a Boondock Saints reenacting what we just saw two scenes earlier. Yeah. He's like. Ah, this magic shows me there was a circus over there, and Credence was here, and Tina was there, and I'm like, dude, we just saw this. Like, you, like, can we skip you finding these things out that we just? But saw? But also, he like runs after Tina, being like, Tina, Tina. And it's like you did the spell, dude. You know how it works. Why are you like, oh, she's right here? It's like in a cop movie, if someone was watching security camera footage and saw someone they knew on the screen, and were like, hey. Billy! And knocking on the screen. Hey! Why y'all tiny and black and white? Look at me! Come on! Uh, so anyway, Newt, so Queenie wanders around in the rain looking for Jacob, and she uh-huh. has some kind of breakdown, and one of Grindelwald's yeah. followers finds her. Uh-oh. And part of this scene requires you to, like, it took me a little while to remember, like, oh yeah, she can read minds, and this is probably weird for her. Yeah. But like... Not enough of the movie had indicated that was going to happen. This is also at this point it was when I started to realize maybe this isn't Newt Scamander's movie. This maybe this is more of a, like a Dickensian like multiple characters intersecting and lots of different plot lines and secrets uh-huh. because it's around here that the movie. Did you stopped. say Dickensian because it's set in olden times? Uh, I mean, a different olden times than the one Dickens was set in. To Dickens, 1927 was the far future, a fantastical <laughs> era of fantastic beasts and Grindelwalds and <laughs> wars yeah. between magic users. Uh, can you imagine if they found? I wonder if if they found like an old Charles Dickens manuscript that was about a wizard. That thing would sell uh-huh. like hotcakes, right? That would be a huge yeah. hit. I guess what I'm saying is, or like a like a, a Dickens thing that's like uh, like a YA story about vampires and werewolves falling <laughs> in love. I mean, he never 
He never finished the mystery of Edwin Drood. Maybe a bunch of wizards came in at the end. Maybe, maybe that was his plan. I mean, maybe Luke Skywalker jumped in at the end. Who knows? We can throw whatever we want in that book. <laughs> That's awesome. But like, he's fucking awesome this time, and he like battles and shit instead of being a wimp. Yeah. Oh, that would be so funny if the mystery of Edwin Drood was supposed to end with all the characters from his previous book coming back in a shared Dickens verse. And so it's just like a lot of like... Uh, how am I going to stop him? And then Pip shows up. You have my, you have my strong right hands. And then, and then like, yeah. and, and like uh, David Copperfield shows up and he's like, let's field this copper. And like, they all have their catchphrases, you know, mm-hmm. Oliver Twist, uh-huh. who of course can twist like, like plastic or, or rubber. He has that power he yeah. comes into. Yeah. Yeah, and they they have to go to the future to prevent Alan Moore from writing a story about them. (laughs) (laughs) Boys. Making them have sex for some reason. (laughs) Alan Moore's going to make us all have sex in weird ways. We've got to stop him. (laughs) (laughs) Or normal ways. It depends. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if it's Alan Moore, it's probably going to be pretty weird. But, uh, okay. Uh, uh, Maybe, you know what? Maybe there's no weird way to have sex. Hey oh, Dan, Elliot's wow. LA's coming to an important life lesson. You know I mean, what? I've certainly tried all the all the ways I could, and none of them seemed that weird to me. So, I mean, that seems like a failure of your imagination. <laughs> oh yeah. How many times have you done it between two big slices of bread, like you were part of a sandwich? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate, Dan. <laughs> uh, Credence and Nagini. Oh, so anyway, because we're this movie is about to stop being about Newt and start being about. The family of Lita Lestrange, which we'll get oh, to. Yeah. So Credence and Nagini, they find this the old servant who was working for his mother who gave him up for adoption. And then they're attacked by Grimson. Credence fights back by becoming an angry smoke monster. Stuart, now that I know that he has this kind of dark side to him, that makes more sense uh-huh. to me. And he just yeah, makes yeah. the – makes that's them, a, that, that scene's a mess. He's just hurling the room at Grimson over and over again, and then Grimson just leaves. And uh, mm-hmm. and this would be cooler, I think, if it was clearer what was going on. Like again, yeah. Dan, you know what? I think that action. would. I think the whole movie would would follow that 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 rule. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hey, hey, filmmakers, your your movies are more exciting when it's clear what's going on. That's why but no one no one goes. Hey, that thrill ride last year at Marion Bad. Uh, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to say that I feel like the action scenes are particularly poorly choreographed yeah. and unclear. Yeah, yeah. And I think the idea of like a room exploding and then like the shards being thrown over and over again at like an impenetrable bubble, like trying to crash into is like neat and kind of scary, but it's, it's hard to figure out what's going on for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most, almost all action scenes are better when it's defined. Like there's a little more rules definition and knowing what the stakes are and knowing what's going on. Uh, That's why I like, that, you know, all the like good martial arts movies are the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we find out Grimson is working for Grindelwald, and I guess he attacked in Big order surprise. to. They have the same first part of their name. <laughs> yeah, all the Grizz work together. <laughs> They're uh, the Grindelwald, Grimson, Grimace. Grimace is mm-hmm. there too, right? He's one of the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's unclear what it's like. Is Grimson supposed to be? making Credence distrust the ministries by attacking him so that he'll go into the hands of Grindelwald? Like, how does Grimson fit into Grindelwald's plan? It's it's a very elaborate way, I think, to keep uh, keep him searching for answers about his background. I, I guess, guess so. I mean, as it turns out, that, that l- the maid or the servant that he was interviewing, it turns out they were talking about different 
babies the entire time anyway as the movie yeah. goes. So yeah, it, spoiler. So the but, whole thing was a spoiler for later in the movie. But the, I don't, you're, so you're like, spoiler alert for the movie we're describing in detail right now. <laughs> in yeah. case you're going to listen to this and go watch Grindelwald. You don't want to know what happens. Uh, so uh, Jacob and Newt, they find that guy that Tina met, and he goes, I'll take you to her. And he imprisons them in a dungeon so he can go kill Credence, but then he drops unconscious and pick at the little plant man opens the gate. So it's one of those moments where you're like, why did any of this just happen? Hold on yeah. a second. Yeah. They were trapped yeah. by two seconds the guy who was going to go kill Credence I was like oh they're going to have to break out and catch him and stop him no he literally just drops it's I thought dead for no reason uh, <laughs> and, uh, was they, that because he had like a parasite in him I yeah, couldn't figure this out yeah we really. find yeah. out well, later I think they had to they had to have a way for uh, Newt's commander to save the day again and oh, that's okay. by pulling uh, strings out of a guy's eyeball yeah he pulls mm-hmm. a little worm leech out of the guy's eyeball with a pair of tweezers in the uh-huh. only real body horror moment in the movie uh, <laughs> you're disappointed. You're like, I thought this was a Cronenberg film. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, Gr- Grindelwald, Cronenberg—they're pretty, pretty similar. Yeah, uh, well, it's like, wouldn't the wands be better if they were fleshy and twitchy? <laughs> I mean, to where be are honest, the weird gynecological instruments, <laughs> yeah. guys? I agree with all of what you're saying right now. <laughs> Every—I I can never get over the fact that the movies are supposed, to, the wizards are supposed to be kind of tough and imposing, but they all do their magic by holding out tiny sticks that get narrower. <laughs> so, they go, so they're always like. Aha! And they bring out that tiny <laughs> stick, and every time it's like hilarious looking to me. No. Uh, so it's it's like uh, if if it was like I'm a, I'm a like if the Punisher you had a gun that shot noodles basically like that's what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm gonna punish you by hitting you 50 times with a wet noodle, and he's just shooting noodles <laughs> at people. Uh, uh-huh. So Newt tames that lion serpent beast that escaped from the circus and stuffs it in his his suitcase. Hey. Is that lion? I, 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 I kind of like that Fantastic Beast. It's a cool mm-hmm. Fantastic Beast. It is genuinely fantastic, uh, and I bet you like it because it acts like a cat. Yeah. All you need. Whereas to... for you, that would that signals a thing that will uh, give you way too much attention, and you are allergic to. Exactly. It would love me, and I'd be sneezing the whole time. Oh, forget about mm-hmm. it. Finally, we go to where we always want to go. Hogwarts. Just like your wife. Wait, what? <laughs> Just like your wife. Um, she loves you, but unfortunately she makes you sneeze Well, only, only, because, only because she uses a, a pepper-based deodorant. <laughs> the, um, yeah, this is this is another one of those scenes, while, while I like this fantastic beast, they were like right at the end of one scene and they hear a roar and he's like, oh, that must be the monster. And then all of a sudden they're just in the street and people yeah. are like freaking out because a monster's breaking shit. Yeah, here's, here, all right, all right, here's something that I want to ask. Like the movie is like... The movie knows that Newt has no idea what he's doing, so the movie's like, let's just keep throwing things at him. We'll just keep things going. But Here's dang, the thing fine. that I was unclear on. Yeah. So, like, much of the first movie is concerned with how they have to keep uh, magic a secret from the muggles. Constantly in this no movie, magic. big things are happening out, like, magic things are happening in the world, and no one seems to be concerned. And I'm like, are there just wizards around? Or, like, normal people seeing this? Well, I don't know what's happening. Was, I, I wasn't sure what things were happening in real Paris and what things were happening in magic Paris that you get right. to by walking through a statue's pedestal. So, like, yeah. some of that— Is it like walking through the uh, portal in City in the City by China Mieville? Uh, yeah, exactly. That, that's probably what they were Where thinking about like, when they made like it. like an Eastern European city uh, sharing the same dimensional space as a Western European city-ish— uh, but they cross over in some weird places, and you can see kind of silhouettes of the other city. It's really great. It's a great story. What kind of beasts are <laughs> okay, in it, and are they fantastic? <laughs> well, I mean, the beasts are humans because they act terrible to each other, and uh. it's all about a murder. <laughs> okay, uh, but you're right, Dan. It's like, well, it's it's kind of a, I mean, to be honest, I don't understand why the wizards need to keep themselves a secret. 
Why, why do they, are they, like... Because <laughs> humans can't know that gods walk amongst them, but, ev- but I, I have no oh, idea. Wow, that's Grindelwald talk. Yeah. yeah, but also, the world would be so much easier to understand if wizards were like, hey, we're around, magic exists, this is how we use it, some people can, some people can't. That's just the way that, you know what, all that all the religions that everybody has been fighting wars over for thousands of years, let's just settle that right now. Magic exists and this is how it works. So now you know what to believe in. It's like, it's the same way that like uh, any movie, and it's because it's for like budget reasons, I guess, or to set it in the real world, but any movie where there's like vampires or werewolves or monsters and they're like, we must keep ourselves a secret for the humans will never understand. It's like, well, why don't you explain it to them? And then maybe they'd understand it. Like I don't. Well, that's kind of what that's in a way the the what Marvel traded on with the end of the first Iron Man movie to have Iron Man just reveal that he's Iron Man. Yeah. You're so trained by all other genre media to be like, oh, they have to keep this shit secret. Yeah. Well, it's similar. Oh, to- what a what a great moment <laughs> when you were in the theater when you first saw that. Oh Come yeah, on. It, was, it was wonderful, and you were like, what? Huh? <laughs> yep. And and then uh, he slipped on his sunglasses, and it went wow. CSI Miami, Uh, and I'm I'm just lucky that there wasn't popcorn in my popcorn bucket because it just flew up in the air. I was so excited. From your erection? (laughs) Well, my erection, which had long gone flaccid after after I'd eaten all the popcorn, it just sat there unused for like an hour and a half. Wait, so unused? So like, had you had you prepared? Had you prepared? Had you prepared an erection just in case you might find a use for it, and then it you were like, "No, I, w- I went there with a date, but my date left early on in the movie because <laughs> okay. she had already seen Iron Man and uh, didn't want to watch it again for some reason." I mean, I'd watch that multiple times in a row. Yeah. All right, let's get so, off this. So uh, they, we go to Hogwarts. Get off and Stewart's the, elect- erection. And uh, <laughs> the Ministry busts in, and they're like, Dumbledore, Dumbledore, we need you to fight Grindelwald. And he goes, I can't. I just can't. Uh, and he gets put under house magic arrest. They put magic cuffs mm-hmm. on him. And while they're there, we enter the longest flashback sequence that <laughs> I was not expecting, where Lita Lestrange, who I assume is there because she has a job to do, she's just wandering around, and she looks at some old desks and remembers being a student there and how she was very lonely and made a boy's mouth disappear with a spell. And then she bonded with young Scamander while he was taking care of a baby raven. And and I was like, okay, flashback over. No, the flashback continues because then later in class, Dumbledore has them confronting their greatest fear in front of everybody, which seems like a yeah, real... Yeah, yeah. Which, it's which a bo- seems, they're, they're confronting a boggart, which is like a creature that manifests itself in, as your oh, okay. greatest fear. But it seems like... It's something that's in the... In, I think it was introduced in, what, Prisoner of Azkaban, maybe? I, I'm uh, not uh, as big a pothead but, as you. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge pothead. Um, <laughs> but, like, it is, it is weird to watch it. Like, imagine being with a group of other, like teenagers or pre-teenagers and have to confront the thing you're most frightened of i mean i'm assuming they would all be like either other kids laughing at you or something that you would much rather not people see yeah I, it's, uh, it's, it seems like a huge like break of you know the confidentiality you, you should have as a human being to be like everybody let's see what everybody's greatest fear is unless this is like one of those acting classes where they're like look if you're going to really act you have to be emotionally naked before the audience so first, mm-hmm. let's be emotionally naked before the class and physically. Take off your clothes, everybody. And then the police come in and they go, we're shutting down this acting class. <laughs> this, is, this is not okay. Okay, where are the hidden cameras? What hidden cameras? There, there, there. And all the, all the students are like putting their clothes back on and they're like, this is ridiculous. Meisner mm-hmm. method. 
<laughs> so yeah, we see Lita's uh, Lita's greatest fear is uh, I guess a baby wrapped in a sheet. Yeah, well, you don't quite see what it is yet. You just it's, know that it's, it's, it looks human. You just know that it's yeah, a, but it looks like like a human shaped like cloth kind of fluttering around. So basically. I thought she was afraid uh-huh. of Cirque du Soleil. Is what I got from yeah. that. Yeah, that's and Newt, fair. Newt's greatest fear is working in an office, and he, so he turns a desk into a dragon. And Dumbledore is like, "Excellent, excellent, how droll, <laughs> wonderful!" Like it's it's like <laughs> I get it. Okay, fine. Um, uh, and so the flashback is finally over. In the present, uh, Dumbledore shows up. And they both talk about how they've lost people in their lives. But she's all, hey, you don't know the real me. And uh, they do not become friends. Uh, Queenie meets Grindelwald. Nothing much happens after that. Okay. And then. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, he explained, like, so her drive is that she wants to be able to marry a non wizard. Yeah. So he kind of plays on that. He's like, he clearly sees that she's like an Anakin Skywalker, and he's like, has anyone ever told you the story of Darth Plagueis? Yeah, but (laughs) I didn't quite get this, though, because, like, Grindelwald's whole thing is the um, superiority of the wizard race, Uh but somehow he plays on Queenie being like, under me, you'll be able to marry your muggle boyfriend, and it's like, well, that doesn't follow at all. I mean, he's supposed to be very convincing. I mean, that's yeah. the one thing they mentioned about him at the beginning. Yeah. No, I know. It just people, it just seemed like a weird like I I would I would it's a stretch. I, I would mean, understand it much more if it was just like clear that he put a spell on her or something. I yeah. mean, the, if, what what could have made? I mean, if they could have started maybe put that screaming Jay Hawkins song on. Mm-hmm, I put uh-huh. a spell on you, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. I get it. Okay." But the, I think he, uh, they're not, either they're either making her they're either making him like so powerful at uh, convincing people of stuff or they're just making her an evil bad person. Yeah. I mean, the thing is Queenie does not strike me and this is not to cast aspersions on her. She's not the brightest bulb in the bunch. And so Uh I don't think she is so adept at poking holes in ideological inconsistencies. So, but she She needs to debate. So you're saying that the force exerts power on weak minds. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. It's all star Wars in the end, but then we come to maybe my favorite part of the movie for the wrong reasons where Dumbledore stands in front of a magic mirror and remembers his relationship with Grindelwald when they were young. And it's shot like the total eclipse of the heart music video. There's a lot of, and it's like, I'm like, Oh, you could so easily remove this section and just put an '80s like nostalgia lo- lost love ballad over it, and uh-huh. it would look exactly whereas, the like, same. Wa- whereas, like walking through like a loft apartment that has a lot of like blowing curtains. Exactly. But also, I Candles. feel like in this sequence, like you're, I felt like, all right, we all know that Dumbledore's gay at this point. Like it's been like uh-huh. widely reported that J.K. Rowling was like, okay, canonically Dumbledore's gay. <laughs> yeah, it was in- but the movie. Seems scared of like explicitly being like, hey, he and uh, Crimble Wand uh-huh. like had a relationship together. I think you know? I feel like there's, I feel like they're kind of saving it for the third movie. Like, Could be. They want to make that into a big reveal, and it a shouldn't be a big reveal, and b like it's already been revealed. People know. Yeah, I mean, didn't she say that they had an intense sexual relationship? Yes, but that was like. She also Off to the side. It's not in the fucking movie. She also said something about like, how, like... Seems like the movie's scared of it. I don't know. She also said something about how, like, the reason he didn't stop Voldemort is because he was, like, romantically attracted to him or something. And I'm like, he was like a kid, right? Like, that's fucked up. Well, it's also... It's all the worst... She's playing into all the worst stereotypes of the people who didn't want gay people to fight in the military. 
where they were yeah. like, how are they going to be able to shoot the enemy soldiers when they're so attracted to them? Which was <laughs> like, well, we want them to kill, not to kiss. Like, for, for the, the idea that Dumbledore is always like, well, I'm the most powerful wizard in the world. I guess I'll stop this bad guy. Hello, sailor. Well, well. Mm. Dumby like. Well. How about a taste of his wand? Oh, too bad. Oh, naughty. Like, I basically just turned him into like a British sitcom's idea of a gay person. But. <laughs> But it, feel, yeah, but it feels like the only in the village type thing. Yeah, yeah the idea that the, the idea that he's 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 totally disarmed, and it's although it's such an old trope. Now I'm turning on. Now I'm now I'm uh, disagreeing with myself. It's such an old trope to have like the seductress queen, like a Morgan Le Fay type, who can who can bend men to her will because she's so alluring. Maybe J.K. Rowling is just positing that that these are like it. This is just a a non heterosexual normative way of having these villains who are like so powerfully attractive that they disarm the hero except when it's Johnny Depp and he looks like an old Mr. Whipple who like got it, you know <laughs> who stumbled into a punk barbershop and got his hair done and he's like oh though how yeah. will the wife think about this like maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't work quite the same way yeah it's like a skinny Julian Assange with cataracts <laughs> yeah. also mm-hmm. that they were kids at the same time i guess but Dumbledore has aged so much better than Grindelwald maybe that's <laughs> oh, just yeah. good clean living <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, so anyway, they have that great music video, "Love Affair." Uh, Newt, but they're doing a like a Blood Brother uh uh thing, uh, yeah. yeah, which is important. Yes, and on. yeah, their blood like flies up into the air and then uh, magically turns into a little locket, which I don't know, like. I feel like so much of this mo- for a movie that doesn't. And then Angelina Jolie comes out, and puts it around her. Neck. <laughs> She's like another one for my collection. Uh, but there's so much of the movie feels like it's stuffed with characters, but it doesn't give any character actually a full arc. But anytime there's an opportunity to have both characters and the audience like gasp in awe at special effects it seems to take it like oh, yeah. everybody seems so interested in watching a fucking feather fly around <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh the a best picture winning movie was about that it's called <laughs> forest gump uh-huh yeah you're right actually. uh but uh so newt pulls that worm out of that guy's eye and then tina because for no reason she's just like well you've got it all in hand i'm gonna leave now like it's that just because they need them to leave the room basically yeah. uh newt goes after tina and she says, I know you hate aurors. And he goes, no, I think you're a good auror. And they see magic black drapes flying around everywhere. And Tina goes, Grindelwald is calling his followers. And everyone's kind of laid back about it. No one seems that worried that Grindelwald is sending out this huge message. Why is he doing it now? I don't know. But Grindelwald has found credence. And rather than – it's this this movie is like edging us constantly because Gr- Grindelwald is like – Credence is like, tell me about my true identity. And Grindelwald goes, no, but here's a map to a tomb where you'll find the information and I'll meet you there tonight. And it's like, dude, you're right there. Like, Like, just tell him already. Another fetch quest? (laughs) (laughs) Like, first, you need to go to the cemetery in Paris to find a Pokemon Go that's over there. (laughs) And once you capture Charizard, I'll reveal myself to you. Oh, wow. He's got to be fast with those balls. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Jacob, meanwhile... He loses. He loses the other guy, the guy who was trying to kill Credence, and meets an elderly ca- alchemist named Flemel, who I guess is a uh-huh. 
is referenced in the Harry Potter books or what? Yeah, what he's the alchemist who made the Philosopher's Stone uh, from the first uh, from the first Harry Potter book. And this character, he is such a Tom Bombadil type. He's just kind of like yeah. hops around being like a, an eccentric goof. And uh, uh-huh. and he shows Jacob. And he looks his like Palantir. Yeah, and he looks like Palantir Miracle Max from. He's uh... dread knowledge. <laughs> Dan, what were you saying? Oh, he looks like Miracle Max from Princess Bride. A little yeah, bit. he does. Yeah. I was like, there was part of me that was like, oh, okay. So if Robin Williams was alive, he would have played this character. Like that's yeah. The, the, he's very much that guy. Uh, and I know Miracle Max was played by Billy Crystal. It's the same type of character. They do the same stuff. Okay. Uh, so they look in that in the Palantir, and they and he shows Jacob that Queenie's going to be at the cemetery. Jacob's like, that's all I need to know. And then and uh, Flamel is like, no, Which, no, but there's just like a Palantir, it leads it can lead you astray, like Denethor and Saruman were both led astray. Uh, yeah, I took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, but then it shows that there's going to be that bad stuff is going to happen because. Because uh, Grindelwald is going to hold a rally in the cemetery, uh, and uh-huh. then imagine we, we basically see like a sped up version of the end of the movie in the Palantir, <laughs> kind of. And then Flamel takes down a magic book, and the magic book talks to him and says, "You've got to go deal with this." And it's like, why didn't? Why do we have to see any of this? Why didn't he just go? Also, I, mean, I feel yeah. like you're you're doing that magic book uh, a disservice by not mentioning the person in that magic book that talks to him is both of your former coworker Jessica Williams. Oh, you know what? I did not even recognize her. Here's the thing. Uh, what's the last place I expected to see Jessica pop up? Inside a magic book in a Fantastic Beasts movie? Yes. But also... Yeah. Fancy, I, fancy seeing you here. But I know she's also friends with J.K. Rowling because I think they share a birthday. Mm. Oh, yeah. cool. So, so uh, yeah, maybe Jessica's the one who's uh, given her all these great ideas. <laughs> uh, I would never... No, Jessica's way too smart to do that. Uh, no, so, but maybe she's doing it as like a funny, like a, like a a funny game thing. Like a gag. <laughs> she's been pranking J.K. all these years. <laughs> like years later, she's going to be like... JK, those were all terrible ideas. <laughs> I, was, like, I kept I kept fucking with you. I kept expecting you to catch on. But hey. sometimes like sometimes your friends don't give you the best advice <laughs> and things, you know? Yeah. She's like, JK, this time I was the one, JK. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have done any of that stuff. And I imagine the whole time she's like, in the, okay, next you should have these characters. You should have a uh, Newt should be the hero of the movie, but he shouldn't really do very much. And instead spend a lot of time on this other character's parentage. And JK Rowling will be like I wrote the best-selling book series in the history of books, but okay, I'll take your advice. It doesn't sound like good storytelling to me, but okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I didn't. I feel bad I didn't see that it was Jessica. Anyway, uh, Newt disguises himself as Theseus, his brother, to get into the ministry. That disguise For disappears like almost instantly. <laughs> and they want to get Credence's records. Uh, Theseus seems to think that Credence is Leda's lost brother, and his boss tells, Credence, uh, tells Theseus to arrest everyone at the rally, uh, and Theseus is like, no, like if we're too, if we push too hard, it'll just push more people into Grindelwald's hands. And they're like, forget about it. Uh, and Theseus almost stops Tina and Newt, but Tina casts a spell that ties him to a chair, much like Dana gets grabbed to that chair with the arms and Ghostbusters. Uh, but then Theseus, I guess, frees himself between scenes because later we just see him and he seems fine. Uh, yeah. And then it cut to it's night at the cemetery. Unlike unlike Dana in Ghostbusters, who is not not definitely not fine. She is not fine. She gets taken over by uh, is it the gatekeeper? Yeah, because she's waiting for the keymaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so man, which I did not realize was a dirty joke until I was an adult. And I mean, then it's, I was like, what's weird. The, what's the dirty joke? <laughs> it's no, nothing. I'll, I'll explain okay. sex to you later. Stuart. I mean, it's it's halfway a dirty joke and halfway like a real magic thing. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also, I mean, it's more of a dirty joke in that, uh, in that Madonna song where she talks about, uh, open your heart to me, I have the lock and you turn the key. Yeah. Which always made me think. Oh. And it made me think that <laughs> she was. Stuart just became a man. Well, <laughs> now the thing is. <laughs> he, he was never bar mitzvah, so it had to happen sometime. Now, well, I, w- I was doing an impression of J.K. Rowling when Jessica Williams <laughs> uh, explains the J.K. just kidding thing. J.K. <laughs> Rowling's like, that's what that means. All this time, I've discovered my true parentage. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so when she says, now, maybe I'm doing sex wrong, but I don't usually do a lot of turning. So when, when she says you turn the no, key, you're supposed to rotate. <laughs> like, how do I do Like skitter around like a spider. But I don't, I don't well, understand. That's what a lazy Susan is for. Oh, <laughs> so it's Susan who's supposed to do the turning. All right. Okay. Yeah. Very complicated. You know, guys, there's no mm. weird way to do it. It turns out. Uh, so, so, uh, and so then there's a scene that is so inexplicable where Jacob is in this tomb that everyone seems to go to without seeing each other. And someone with a wand is like, hey, stop right there. And I don't think we ever find out who that person was with the wand because it doesn't match no. up with any of the scenes that occur later. Like, Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And it's which he disappears and then reappears later. I mean, I guess magic exists. So. <laughs> but it's if ever there was a scene where the movie would have been made better it to, if you excised that moment and no one would have noticed. I was just so baffled by it. Uh, but anyway, Newt uh, in the ministry in the records room, which they get into amazingly easily. They go up to the, the old lady who runs the records room, who's essentially the same old lady who runs the archives at the Jedi Academy in the Star Wars uh-huh. prequels. And they're like, yeah, we're here to find the records for Lita Lestrange. I'm Lita, and this is my uh, fiance. You'd think that what you think that Theseus's coworker and Lita's coworker would maybe recognize them and know they're engaged, but instead, and she doesn't even ask them for ID. She's just like in the back. And I was like, yep. not a lot of security at this magic archive that has all these magic secrets in it. Come on, guys. It would guys. have been great if it cut to her desk and a copy of the magazine that had the, <laughs> the Newton Lita news on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because also they're all supposed to be famous, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a small it's a small world, this wizarding world. I guess it's like, uh, she's, but she's elderly. And so I guess it's like when my grandmother's best friend, a man named Al, who's a great guy, he, was, he said to me, what his do you think? His name's Owl? No, no, his name is Al. Owl, like the bad guy in uh, in Sekiro, shadows die twice. <laughs> no, not at all. No, he said he said to me once. He's you know he's a man in his in his late seventies now. Actually, no, now he's in his eighties. I guess he said to me, "Okay, get it right, Elliot. It's yeah, very important." He, he goes, "What do you think about this new music these days?" And I'm like, "Well, what do you mean?" And he goes, "Well, I don't. It sounds I don't like it at all. I mean, Patty Smith, Bruce Springsteen." And I was like, "Oh, you mean old music?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny that his 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 frame of reference for new music was Patti Smith. I was like, oh, you mean music from before I was born? Okay, sure. Uh, so so maybe she's like that. She's like, I don't know these newfangled celebrity winner, wizards. I just remember the great wizards of the of the eighteen seventies, like Edwin Booth, you know, and people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nikola anyway, Tesla. <laughs> uh, Newt kind of stumblingly romances Tina. They ca- they have to find these records so they can find credence. There is no time to lose. Time for them to have a very stumbly, halty conversation where they reveal that, hey, they're not in relationships and they do kind of like each other. Uh, but- and it takes so long that you keep expecting it to be interrupted again because it's one of these scenes where, like, if Newt just spits out from the beginning, oh, it's been a mistake this whole time, I'm not engaged to anyone – you know, scene over, but he like dithers around and like he's like, "Would you? I'm you're terribly 
pretty, don't you know? And like, it's like, just get to it because you keep expecting, like, I don't know, like wolves to come in and yeah. <laughs> interrupt things. <laughs> well, and so, and while they're doing this, they're taking so long with this that the real Lita opens up the files because I guess she went in through the back door of the archives, or maybe uh, the woman at the front desk was like, Who are you? <laughs> I'm I'm Lita Lestrange. Oh, you were just here a couple seconds ago. Why don't you go in and meet yourself? Like it's <laughs> the, the uh, or, or the old lady is like, am I a gra- am I in a Groundhog's Day right now? The same person came by. Uh, Lita finds this note that says the family records were moved to her family tomb. Uh oh. Uh, but then they all have to run away because the the librarian finally realizes there's something afoot and brings over some demon guardian cats and yeah now did you expect when she walked out she walked out so seriously <laughs> i expected her to like morph into another character that we already knew yeah i thought she was going to no, be grindelwald she's just like or something a, she's just like a super serious archivist yeah i, I also want to say that like for people who like think that the casino planet thing in the last jedi is a waste of time this is the true waste of time. Wow. This like going into the ministry and being like, "Oh, sorry, Mario, your princess is in another castle." It's like, <laughs> "Fuck you, movie." <laughs> yeah. I mean, it basically exists. This scene exists so that Newt can can fight off the demon cats by bringing his lion beast out of the suitcase. So, the, and the lion beast only exists so he can fight off the demon cats here. So, if you remove this archive section, you can also remove the lion beast, which means you can also remove the circus, which means you can make the movie a lot clearer and simpler and faster. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess what I'm saying, yeah. Dan, is you're wrong. They needed to junk this thing up with a lot of junk. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is—it's just like a sack labeled story that they're just shoveling things into. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, so they they go right over to the tomb, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Everyone meets no, up at the no Lest- pit stops. They this, just go to the tomb. They go well. Uh, they all they all get eventually. They all get to the Lestrange family tomb. And this tomb, everyone walks into the same room that shows the same statue, and yet none of them seem to see each other when they walk into this one room. They just kind yeah. of they only notice that they're also in this room when they have to notice them. And I'm like. Okay, so is this a magic room? Like, how come nobody's nobody's? It's like the stateroom scene in Night at the Opera. If nobody noticed all the other people were in the room with them, I'm like, I don't understand yeah. what's going on in this room. This movie, it's if you if you're not on camera at that moment, then nobody in the movie can see you. It's I don't get yeah. it. Now I want to say before you explain this next scene, this is the for me this was the most angry making scene in a picture full of angry-making scenes. And I'll explain after you explain it, but okay. I just want to so this is, prep this the is, audience. This is the double revelation scene? That we're gonna yes. Do? Okay, so Ugh. so they go there, and Parasite Guy explains to everybody that... Yeah, Yusef uh, Kama, I think mm-hmm. is his name. Is that his name? Senegalese pure-blood wizard. Okay, he tells them how when he was growing up, his uh, Lita's dad used magic to seduce his mom away. And so that means that She's also Lita's mom. So that and uh so Lita and this guy are half siblings, which they don't seem to mm. care about nor mention ever again. And Parasite Guy says when and then Lita's slash Paras and slash Lucef's mom died in childbirth when Lita was born. And it drove his father, his real father, mad. So his dad on his deathbed swore Yusef to get revenge. And so kill whatever the elder Lestrange loves the most. And he goes, but he never loved <laughs> he never loved you, Lita. And so the only thing he he never felt love until his son Corvus was born when he married again. And so Parasite Man goes, Credence is actually Corvus, the brother of Lita Lestrange, who was sent to America so that he I couldn't get at him for revenge. So that's why I'm trying to kill Credence. 
movie that explains seems crazy and then yeah. and then it only if gets he cra- loves his kid the most why doesn't he just go like it's already been proven that the that mr lestrange doesn't have a problem using magic on people why doesn't he just go smoke this dude who's gonna come kill his kid i don't well because I guess that just perpetuates the cycle of revenge and violence mm-hmm. like i've it, seen a lot of movies exactly well no, but go go on elliot because this it, is now it's not, after we've seen this which takes five minutes to explain or something yeah. like that maybe it's only three minutes Lita steps in and says, no, 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 but I already killed Corvus when he was a baby. She then opens up a magic family tree box and explains that she was on the ship to America with the servant lady and baby Corvus. And Corvus kept crying, and she just wanted to get away from this crying baby. So instead of leaving the room, she swaps Corvus with another baby <laughs> in, an, in another place. And then when the ship sinks, because that's why they, they had to escape, the servant takes this replacement baby, and Lita sees the real baby Corvus sinking into the water, drowning, wrapped in sheets. Now, she can't really see it, because she's in a yeah, boat. She, she can't see it underwater. crazy about it is that well, she can see underwater. I thought she swam swam after. I thought she tried to. Oh, get no, it. That, that was the mother. Oh, that was the, the other. Br- okay, that was the mother of the other baby. And so, okay. and so, but I guess maybe it's like how in Saving Private Ryan, Matt Damon as an old man flashes back to what Tom Hanks saw on D Day. You know, like maybe uh-huh. you can just see. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you if you put yourself in someone else's shoes and walk a mile in their moccasins, then you can you can see what they see. Uh, that's kind of uh, what uh, that's kind of what Tom Hanks brings to the movie experience, though. So you can he's kind of like an everyman, you know. That you yeah. Can really identify. Hey, he, so, at this point, he's no longer an everyman. As I've said many times, I don't know if I said on the flop house. There is no greater honor that America can bestow on a hero than to have Tom Hanks play you in a movie. Just as yeah. there is no greater shame than to have Al Pacino play you in a made-for-HBO movie. <laughs> and that's why so, Tom, Hanks, Tom <laughs> Hanks plays Sully, Captain Phillips, Mister Rogers, and Al Pacino plays. Phil, uh, Paterno Roy and Cone. Phil Spector, like that's <laughs> that's. Uh, now, now I want to say, like, so, so Credence doesn't like is back to not knowing where he comes oh, from. And actually, you know but, what? Wait, here, hold on. Sorry, the, go the on. The water is so easy to see through, even though it's nighttime. I guess there's so much light from the ship. And Credence, who, <coughs> who we thought was killed as a, we thought was this baby was killed as a baby, is still alive, obviously. So, isn't this the real Credence Clearwater revival? Oh boy! Oh no! Oh, was that walk in the park? I, I want to be angry at that, but I can't. <laughs> was a true fan Easter egg that J.K. Rowling? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was the dog in that story shaggy enough for you? Okay, and so Dan, so what? Just to tie it up, so her fear from earlier was her fear of having killed her baby brother. Dan, yeah. explain why does this? Why would this bother you? <laughs> so this sequence <laughs> it makes me so angry because it it stops the film cold for like. Parasite guy, a guy that we barely know or care about, takes a long time to explain his genealogy, introducing characters we've never seen before in this movie. (laughs) And we'll never see again. And never see again. Takes a long time to explain. And then at the end, the movie goes, psych, that wasn't who you thought it was. It was this other guy, this other kid, this other baby. And And so in this scene, there's at least like three characters who are just standing around that are like, why am I here? I guess I'm here to support this other person who's having these revelations. Including it's really boring. Standing around includes Newt, the hero of the movie, and uh-huh. not there at all is Grindelwald, the villain of the movie. So uh-huh. it's it's just supporting character theater. Like it's just th- side character playhouse, you know. And I think Jacob is somewhere in this scene, but I can't tell because in the next scene when they find the 
the hidden door that leads to the uh, the amphitheater underneath the tomb. Uh-huh. Jacob's the first one walking through it, and I'm like, where was he this whole time? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I some... guess he dealt with that w- the wand of the head situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, the wand, I guess, was like, Jacob, this disappearo, and or something like that. Uh-huh. But yeah. the, so this is the kind of thing, again, if this was a novel, like if this was a Dickens novel, I would mm-hmm. be like, okay, he's going to dump a whole new – Dickens was like making it up as he went along – he liked to introduce characters and then suddenly have like big reveals or like go aside and kind of breathe life into a side character all of a sudden. Like he would really pull it off. But in a movie, it just was like it does not work that great for the action to stop so that some characters could talk about. It's also the idea that you're going to reveal something and then immediately dispel it. It's yeah. like no pun intended that uh, if they had done that. What they should have done is earlier in the movie have Yusef explain his backstory, and then we're like, oh, okay, that's who Credence is. And then later in the movie, Lita can reveal it, and it'll be a twist. But it's weird to have a twist right after the last twist. It's like if you were watching a murder mystery, and the detective was like, it was you. You did it, the butler. And the butler's like, oh, no. And then suddenly the cook goes, no, it was me. The audience would be like, what? I was gonna I was gonna say this later, but I'll say it now. Like the last thirty minutes of this movie or so, I found the most engaging, and I think that that's because by that point most of the mysteries have been solved, yes. and it's just a straightforward story. And I think that J.K. Rowling, like she does this in a lot of the books, and it works better in the books, but she likes to withhold a lot of things and have like a mystery. Yeah. But here it's just like I don't want the f- like. It's just you're piling mystery on mystery on mystery. It's obfuscating like what the storyline is. Like I just want to watch a story. Yeah, you know, and, and also, understand what's happening. And the mystery seems so the the basic <clears throat> conflict of the story we're led to believe is Grindelwald is a bad wizard who wants to lead mm-hmm. an army of wizards to take over the world, and yet yeah, the and mis- I guess the point of the movie is to have is that play between which of these characters that we get to know are going to side with Grindelwald and who will not, but we uh, we almost see no no character actually spends that much time thinking about this. Like the uh, that question. Yes. Yeah. Like the we get to a point where Grindelwald is doing his big. He does his big reveal, and he basically asks all these characters if they want to join him or not. And none of them at this point. It's like, oh, like it, it's like a coin flip in yeah. case, in almost every case, except for Credence, who we know for sure is going to join him because he has no reason not to. Yeah, it's like, and also the movie doesn't make any sense. If there's no there's no reason for a sequel if Credence doesn't join him. It's like, but it's like if Captain America Civil War, Iron Man's like, the government needs to control superheroes. And Captain America is like, no. And then suddenly, like, uh, like the Guardians of the Galaxy show up and are like, hey guys, we've got an adventure in space. You gotta come with us. And they go, <laughs> they go out into space and meet the Silver Surfer and the Silver Surfer's like, let me tell you my backstory. Are we going to see Galactus in the movie? No, but I'll tell you about it. Okay, well, that was pretty crazy. Let's go back to Earth. And they go back to Earth, and Captain America and Iron Man are like, well, now I guess we have to fight, and that's the end of the movie. Like, there's that's what this feels like. Like, you have a movie with a very straightforward conflict, like you're saying, and then it the movie just stops. Okay, so, anyway. So, all the characters all... from the previous scene that we were just talking about all walk through a doorway, and they're in a big amphitheater filled with wizards who are all there for a rally being held by Grindelwald. Uh, who yeah. like soaks up that he soaks up the applause for a little bit. He's just loving it. Uh, and it's one of those like things where all these wizards are, uh, are able to finally show off their true allegiance. They've been hiding it in, uh, in public. So they're able to show yeah. off their secret face, uh, which is well, not it's, like it's cool, also one like, of those monster face. It's another moment where yeah. it was like, so if the, if the amphitheater was like right through that tomb, 
was all, were all the wizards listening to Lita Lestrange telling her story? Or like, yeah, yeah. did they just not hear this huge room full of wizards when they were all in that other room? Like, what? Yeah, I don't understand. It's like a, Again, magic? It's like my, my wife tells me of this club she used to go to in uh, in South Brooklyn uh, called the Crazy Country Club. And they would do a thing where uh, they would mic up the bathrooms. And sometimes when the DJ would see like a couple of women go into the bathroom together, he would like get the get the crowd to like quiet down and then he'd play the uh the the sound from the bathroom of the women like talking about what they're doing that night jesus uh it was that crazy not, not okay. something you could ever do no it's obviously not okay but like maybe it was something like that where they're all like intently listening to these people and they're like oh my god what a big reveal maybe oh that's like uh that scene in mash where uh hot lips is showering yeah and they pull down the tent flap so everyone sees her and it's like uh that's Horrible guys, like that's not, <laughs> like that's not adorable. Like that's really terrible. Uh, the so anyway, so Grindelwald he comes out. Everyone finds each other in this big rally. Grindelwald gives a big speech while the Ministry cops are moving in to try to to get ready to arrest everybody. And Grindelwald is like, his speech is not that clear. He's like, we just love freedom and truth and love. And here's what the world will look like if wizards don't take over. And he shows them a bunch of scenes of World War II ending with a mushroom uh-huh. cloud. And it's like, see, and it's on, and to be honest, I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty good argument for why somebody else should try running the world for a little bit. Like, yeah, if you could avert yeah. World War Two, but uh, yep. then the magic cops show up. Yeah, it's like Grindel- uh, it's like when I was watching Aquaman last weekend, and uh, King Orm's like, "It's fucked up. The service dwellers are constantly polluting us," and I'm like. Yeah, that is pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they do with their fucking waste. Do they like throw it in a trench for the twen- trench kingdom to deal with? Do they like <laughs> yeah. they magic yeah, it away to J.K. Rowling's house? <laughs> it shows up. They magic it away, and it shows up in Dumbledore's pants. And then he magics it away. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a really complicated cycle. <laughs> I mean, and whatever the weird works. Thing is, when he magics it. What it does is the spell automatically splits up his poop into tiny particles and then plants them in the bowels of random human beings throughout the world. Oh, wow. And so the cycle of poop continues. Yeah. Share the wealth. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Redistribution of poop. That's what Bernie Sanders is all about, right? That's that's socialism, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Dumbledore so, or Dumbledore reads the headline. <laughs> in what? Read the Sanitation Times? <laughs> That'd be so funny if it's like Dumbledore's been doing that all these years and he thought all the other wizards were too, but they weren't. <laughs> and so and so he's 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 talking to like Professor Snape or whatever. And Snape's like, Well, gotta go. Supernatural calls. And he's like, Wait, what? Are you using the toilet? Yeah. What do you what do you not use the toilet? No, no, I just poop in my pants and I magic it away. <laughs> and yeah. Snape is like Snape is like, you know you're not gonna get all of it if you do that, right? Like yeah. that's <laughs> it's, that's crazy. It's, it's like, like a guy who always like stands up to wipe being like, We all do that, right? And like, no. <laughs> yeah. and Snape, Most that of one us kid, don't when, that one kid when you were in elementary or middle school who would stand uh, a urinal with his pants all the way down at his ankles <laughs> and yeah. be like, Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is what we do. Come on. Yeah. But uh, uh the yeah, uh, uh, Snape's <laughs> like, but what about what about that time I had to borrow pants from you? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, what about it? Uh, were you doing it then? Snape's like, so do you just poop in the middle of staff meetings? Yeah, all the he's time. Like, I thought everybody was. Wait, are you <laughs> pooping right now? Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, so, enough poop. <laughs> okay, enough poop talk. Time to get to this the opposite of poop. 
the crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, so the magic cops come in. There's a there's a brief scuffle, and uh, Grindelwald sends his followers away. And Credence and Queenie both join Grindelwald, and Lita attacks Grindelwald and gets killed. I guess by like magic. Yeah. So this this is one of those moments where like if they they put a lot of time into Lita's backstory for the bullshit stuff, but they don't like. And they make it seem like when she was in high school, she was bullied. But like, if they had made some effort to make it seem like everybody suspected her as being like a Grindelwald follower, or maybe like long ago, she was maybe a Grindelwald follower, it would make the moment where it's like, oh shit, is she going to join him? And then she's like, no, I love you guys. And then she attacks and then immediately is killed. Yeah. Uh, Like they could have done something like that. Not to play fucking Monday morning wizard back or something. (laughs) But no, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's I, I guess I would be like the seeker. That's the quarterback. Uh-huh. Equivalent, right? Yeah, Quidditch. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, I'll take your yeah. words for it. Uh, and it's one of those things where like uh, Grindelwald is like, we just want to take over the world. We don't want to hurt anybody. Anyway, here's a bunch of blue fire demons, dragons that are just going to fly around. And the alchemist shows up and goes, put your wands to the ground or the dragons will eat Paris. And it's like, whoa, this escalated really fast. And none of this yeah. was explained to me before. Oh, you missed also Queenie went over to oh, right. Grindelwald. And so. Queenie joins Grindelwald. And especially because she hates being called crazy. And Jacob, uh-huh. she's like, come on, Jacob, we'll join. And Jacob's like, no, he's a bad guy. And she goes, no. And he goes, you're crazy. And she leaves and joins. And so now he's yeah. got Credence After and Queenie she's like, on the We side. should hear this guy talk. He's got some really great ideas. And then the whole time he's like, yeah, muggles are bad and dumb, and uh, <laughs> they should work for us, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that doesn't make any sense. I also like that right before Grindelwald uh, apparates or whatever and disappears, uh, he he says, I hate Paris. Yeah. <laughs> That's the I mean, last line of Grindelwald. That was the best moment in the movie, I think. It was the only time Grindelwald felt like a character, or for that matter, any of the characters felt like real characters, it was just... This casual, I hate Paris. And then he flies out. And also, you know he's truly evil because Paris is an enchanting city. It's magical. Mm-hmm. It belongs to the world. Uh, and it's a wonderful <laughs> place. So anyway, these fire dragons are flying around. The alchemist shows up to tell them basically how to stop them, which turns out to be really easy. You just point, yeah. your, you just point your wand at the ground and blow, and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. And Newt goes to meet Dumbledore, and Dumbledore reveals that uh, That's also how you can find water. In the oh, desert. you have to, <laughs> you have to, <laughs> very important. The platypus looking thing brings the niffler, bling, brings the, uh, the blood amulet to, uh, oh, yeah, it's to still- Newt because the thing about these platypus things is they are drawn to, uh, shiny things uh, and I they see. collect them. This was explained in the first movie. So, yeah, so, so the niffler steals that, steals this shiny locket from, uh, Grindelwald's body. Grindelwald. The greatest evil wizard in the world does not notice that a platypus is crawling all over him, stealing his jewelry. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, he's not. Very, I mean, he's a pretty easy mark. Yeah, I guess so. Well, he's so full of himself. That's that probably can... why he hates Paris is that he never puts his money and valuables in a fanny pack, and instead he gets pickpocketed all the time when all he goes the t- to the train station. You have to imagine he's too busy caught up on the baguette he's chomping on. <laughs> uh, Grindelwald is—he's the kind of guy who gets an email from a Nigerian prince, and he's like, hmm. This seems like a scam, but it also seems kind of real. And I think I'd be smart <laughs> enough to see if it was a scam or not. So I'll send him my bank account information. <laughs> and and uh, so Dumble- he shows it to Dumbledore, this little locket. And Dumbledore's like, oh, yeah, that's the blood pact I made with Grindelwald that we would never fight each other. That's why I can't fight him. And it's like, no, duh, dude. Like, this is it's a secret. Like, why didn't you? Like, I why don't understand. Why did you ever say like, that? 
why didn't you say that before? Like Dumbledore, like I love Dumbledore, but even like the good like Harry Potter books, he's always like s- s- like has these like sort of secret schemes. He never like uh-huh. lets anyone in on his thinking, and it's like. You know, if you shared some of these things, it might be my things. Things might go a little better for Harry and his pals. Yeah, I would have liked somebody at his funeral to give when giving the eulogy. Somebody to be like, "Wish she uh, would have told us more shit, so we could have <laughs> kept him alive." Yeah. So they should, Dumbledore, the greatest magic of all is trust. Yeah. Uh, but and then, but here's the here's the moment that bothers me about that whole thing. Newt goes, "Do you think you can destroy it?" And and Dumbledore goes, "Yeah, I think maybe." And it's like, well, then what the fuck, dudes? Like, what? why was this an issue? I can understand. It's like, no, he was my lover and we made an unbreakable blood pact that I can never raise a wand against him. And that's why my my power can never be part of this war. I wish it could be. But instead it's like, hey, do you think you could destroy this blood pact? Yeah, I think probably. And then we'll just kick his ass. <laughs> it's like, then why Why didn't you do any of that? What is yeah, the Yeah, why don't you say something like, yeah. hey, it's important you get this amulet. That's the key to the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, do you think at the pitch meeting they're like, and then Dumbledore says, yeah, probably. And the audience is going to lose their mind. <laughs> they're going to go uh, crazy. Applause, people whooping. Oh, I was just about to compare that to a moment in Avengers Ed Game where the audience did lose their minds, but I won't spoil it for you guys. Yeah, anyway. what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't spoil it. Oh, yeah, big spoiler. During stop this th- bringing stuff up. Stop saying anything. <laughs> no, stop during- saying that there's an amazing moment in it. <laughs> during this three hours of, fa- of fan service, there's a moment where the audience lost their minds. <laughs> during this movie that is designed to deliver fans moments they will lose their minds over. Uh, so anyway, uh, so, so I guess Dumbledore, I guess... It's part. So I was doing some Wikipedia research, and I guess it's part of the the backstory is that Dumbledore did eventually defeat Grindelwald in a big magic battle or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sure. So like I guess yeah. so I guess we're we're all just building up to that. Huh? So the real the real magic is how are they going to delay this as long as possible? And this blood pact was a way they could do it for one movie. So yeah, yeah the real magic is how they're going to make this exciting since we already know how it turns out. Yeah. Uh, it's called movies about history. They do it all the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Fair it's enough. like... You ever, you ever uh, see a movie called Titanic? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's like how uh, that that TV show Sons of Anarchy got kind of popular, and the showrunner was given enough leeway that his hour-long episodes became like hour-and-a-half-long episodes, and mm-hmm. then he's like, well, I have an idea, but uh, there's not that much to it. I guess I'll just add in very long car chases into every episode <laughs> to kind of stretch it out for a full season. Uh, uh, is that and so, it? And, no, and at the very end, so Credence okay, is with yeah. Grindelwald, and earlier Dumbledore has says, you know, there's a prophecy in my family that a phoenix will arrive to help a Dumbledore in need. And uh, Gr- Grindelwald tells Credence that he reveals Credence's true identity because he says, uh-huh. you know, there's a prophecy that a phoenix will help members of your family in need, and a phoenix shows up, and he goes, you're not Credence. You're Aurelius Dumbledore, and it's time for you to beat up your brother. And then he leaves, and Credence just starts blasting fireballs at a mountainside, and that's the end <laughs> of the movie. He does like a Kamehameha from uh, Dragon Ball Z and just blows up a mountain. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's All right. Just... So anyway, this... so, Go on. so long story short, Credence is not Corvus. Credence is Dumbledore's brother, which leads me to ask, so wait, why was Dumbledore's baby brother on that ship when he got swapped with Corvus? I guess that's a mystery for another day. Another fantastic beast will lead us to that answer. The uh, Yeah, the that reveal, I like to think that I pay attention to movies when I watch them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess sometimes people have called me out on the opposite, but uh, this is definitely a reveal where I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> 
Yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's. Uh, we've gone longer, I think, than any other summary ever because there was so much sh- bullshit in this movie. Well, well, yeah. You'll just uh, edit it down. So let's uh, do our final judgments quickly. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie or a movie you kind of like? I'll say that like this movie. So I fell asleep during the final twenty minutes and Dan, I woke up. Damn. No, I watched them. I goddamn watched them. Okay. Okay. What I'm saying is, I fell asleep during the final twenty minutes. I woke up and I was so mad that that had happened because I was just like, ugh, now I have to fucking go back, rewind, and watch the final 20 minutes of this stupid goddamn movie. Uh-huh. Like, the movie infuriated like, like me. gave you a time turner and you're trapped in this? Yeah, and look, I just, I I really like the books uh, and for the m- most part I enjoyed the movies too, the Harry yeah. Potter movies. I This movie was, the screenplay was done by J.K. Rowling and I just have to assume that she just doesn't know how to write a screenplay. Like she's a good novelist, doesn't know how to do a screenplay because yeah. it doesn't make any sense and is boring. And it's full of stuff that you would cut out of a movie, but would could fit in a novel, sure. Yeah, yeah. It feels, as I said, like it feels like it takes for granted that you know everything and are intimately familiar with everything, and uh, it spends too much time on dumb bullshit and not enough time on character arcs. Uh, yeah. It's pronounced Dumbledore, not dumb bullshit. <laughs> oh, my mistake. <laughs> and actually, I mean, it doesn't spend can... enough time on Dumbledore since he turns out to be the pivotal character in the movie. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, if you're going to cast a young pope who fucks, <laughs> I want to see Dumbledore fuck. That's a, is that too much to ask for? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's looking into a mirror. You'd think he'd have better memories. Now, the uh, the... I would also I would say bad bad movie and I was like I was watching with my wife and she could feel this like pain coming off of me and I was just and she's mm-hmm. like why is this bothering you so much it, it's bad but and I was like I can see the gulf so clearly between what they're intending which is like magic and whimsy and fun and this deep mythology of exciting characters and what they're actually presenting which is like just thudding boredom through the whole thing and it was yeah. like painful to to recognize how much they how off the mark they were about it so. It's not very good. I'd say if you want to see a movie where you have to see a bunch of other movies to understand it, go see Avengers Endgame. There's this one part Stop in it where Stop talking, talking about it. <laughs> this is really dating when we when we did the podcast, but uh like I don't know why I'm worried yeah. about that. I mean, it's it's been a couple of days. I'm not seeing it uh for a couple more days and mm-hmm. I've been off basically all social media. Uh except for Instagram cuz you can't spoil anything with a picture. Um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh, I hope nothing important happens in the news at all because uh, I won't hear about it until after Tuesday. I mean, I will okay. say there seems to be this national consensus: do not spoil Endgame for anybody. And is the first? It's like we as America have united around Avengers Endgame <laughs> as this is like the cause of our generation is to not spoil this movie for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. like on Twitter, and I'm amazed kind of at how non-specific specific everyone's being about it. And every movie review I've read of it says, "Well, I won't spoil anything," and then they don't. And I'm like, this is amazing that. I, like this has brought us together in a way that Obama couldn't, that Trump couldn't. Mm-hmm. Somehow, yeah. Avengers Endgame is now is our rendezvous with destiny. So, okay, <laughs> great. Hope you guys like uh, it when you see it. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. 
You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. This is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. Mm -hmm. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident. Accident of realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist. The Flophouse is supported in part by Squarespace. Ooh. With Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website. Uh, put your cool idea out there into the world. Why not? You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kind and much more. Basically, anything you can do with a website, you can do with Squarespace. Why don't you just say that? That's the easiest way to say it. Hey, it features beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, Analytics that help you grow in real time and 24-7 award-winning customer support. Now, Dan, Make I, it stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Yes, Elliot. Dan, I had an idea for a website, and I was hoping that Squarespace could help me out with it. All right. Uh, so, Dan, here's an issue that a lot of us are having. Fantastic Beasts, we know where to find them. There's a whole movie about it. But Ordinary Beasts, it's time for their time in the sun, and we don't know where to find them. So The Brooklyn uh, Zoo. <laughs> That's All where right. you find well, Ordinary Beast. I was going to introduce OrdinaryBeastFinder.com, but I guess you already figured it out. So uh, OrdinaryBeastFinder.com, no longer needed. Dan just gave it away. Squarespace, Sorry. don't you? Uh, yeah, check out Squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, I got one Jumbotron here. Uh, before we get to this Jumbotron, just a moment of explanation. Elliot has disappeared for the rest of the episode. That is because he had a family emergency. Nothing that you guys need to worry about. Do not yeah. be upset uh, uh, other than the fact that you'll miss him for the rest of the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was something that he needed to take care of right away. We're going to have to do all the talking. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go do a couple lines in the back room, ba- bathroom oh, so I can speed up my voice. Okay. Um, so on to the Jumbotron. This is from Eliana. I believe that's how one would pronounce that. <laughs> yep, sure. And it's from Lydia uh-huh. who writes, Hi, Eliana. It's Dan, your favorite flopper. I wrote this message because you're perfect and I love you. You're the woman with whom I want to watch movies on planes, to whom I long to complain about my knee, whose hair I yearn to stroke with my hook hands. In short, 
I want yours to be the wife's butt that I covet. Will you marry me? Seabiscuit out. This is awkward because uh, it's awkward that I, I, mean, I revealed that I have a girlfriend on the episode that <laughs> this came up. And now I appear to be engaged. Yeah. I got yeah. tricked into an engagement. Yeah. I think uh, on one hand, I feel like uh, Elliot would have liked to hear that. But on other on another hand, I think he probably engineered a family emergency in advance. Uh, yeah, so just to get, get out, out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh yeah, yeah, I don't know what to do. I guess uh, uh, I'll I mean, have to move a, to this wherever. This is a binding this... contract, and yeah, you're legally lives. obligated to upload this episode. Mm-hmm. So, whoops. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. Okay, Dan, what do we, what do, we do now? Uh, well, uh, actually, before we move on, uh-huh. just a quick reminder of a couple of things. Okay. From uh, I'm just going to go on over to the website to remind myself. If you go to the website, and that website is flophousepodcast.com, you have a list of all the live shows coming up. If you click on events, on June 8th, we'll be in Portland. That is uh, Portland, Oregon, not Uh uh, Washington, as I put on before uh, as an accident. I think you probably all knew that. Knew what I meant. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about Seattle in my head because those two, <laughs> those yeah. two cities are so linked in my uh-huh. brain. But uh, I hope people didn't buy tickets for a show in Portland, Washington. I don't think, think so. I think the ticket link takes them to a okay a Portland, well, Oregon. Hopefully, no uh, quick talking grifter didn't trick anybody yeah. by setting up a fake uh, fake show. On the thirteenth of July, we'll be in Minneapolis. On the twenty eighth. Of September will be in Boston. There was an early show show that sold out. We oh, have wow. a second show, a late show. See us when we're loopy and worn out. Um, <laughs> on October twelfth, we'll be in L.A. That's uh-huh. all on the events page uh, at at flophousepodcast.com. Also at flophousepodcast.com, if you navigate over to the blog section, I bet you didn't know we had a blog section. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll find that there's a T-shirt contest going on. To design for you guys to design our next T-shirt uh, for our merch store, there are prizes—not huge prizes, but prizes—and all the technical details can be found found there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, you also get the bragging rights of uh, creating a T-shirt for a podcast that people might have heard of. Yeah, probably not. So moving on to letters from uh-huh. listeners. Yep, like you. This first letter. Is from Kevin, last name withheld. Okay. Who writes, my name is... Kevin James. Yeah. Uh, He writes, my name is Kevin. I've noticed in movies and TV shows that almost every character named Kevin is either an asshole bully or an awkward loser. The real world is full of Kevins of all stripes, but for some reason those two categories seem to encompass most fictional Kevins. Uh-huh. The notable exception of, to this is Kevin McAllister from the Home Alone franchise. Uh, who's a bully and a murderer. Well, Yeah. <laughs> The letter goes on to say, however, he's so obviously a budding serial killer that he may as well be the asshole bully category. He's he's like Jigsaw Jr. Yeah. Uh, So my question for you is this. Have you noticed any trends for characters you share a name with or any names that always seem to be the same type of character? Mm -hmm. Best wishes, Kevin, last name withheld. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, let's see, stewards in popular media usually are, like, at worst, they're, like, an insufferable kind of bland nerd character, Mm -hmm. uh, or I think at best, they're, like, 
like a Baxter type character who uh, is the one who eventually that the the romantic lead is with and then leaves to be with the other romantic lead. Yeah. Only Dan I can think of offhand is, of course, Dan Fielding from Night Court. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. A true parvizoid. Uh-huh, so yeah. I guess that, I don't I know. I guess that continues your trend, yeah. Yeah. The, um, I feel like in media, usually if you have a character named like Chuck, well, that character is going to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. If you have a character named Brock or like Chad, they're going to be like or a Chaz. Big, Chaz, yeah, they're going to be like a big tough guy unless it's Chaz Palminteri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you have a character named like Nerd Bert, well, they're going to be a nerd. I mean, it's kind of right there in the name. So, <laughs> you got any any of those? Like, uh, uh, like Brittany like, is usually going to be kind of a spacey. Yeah, the frat Chad was like the one I had in my head. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't really have anything. You have a character named like Cornelius. They're probably <laughs> They're probably like... an old time uh like they sell elixirs out of a wagon. <laughs> yep, they're really into <laughs> steampunk. <laughs> if you have an Elliot, well of course, uh it's a dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh moving on to a letter from Matthew, uh last name withheld. Uh-huh. He writes, my question is about awkward movie-watching experiences. I was once invited by a girl I was dating to, quote, watch a movie and have some fun at her house. She was deeply religious, and we had a chaste relationship. But being the horny young man that I was at the time, I naturally assumed this was code. Uh-huh. Needless to say, I was not a little surprised when I arrived with a bottle of wine to find her grandmother, parents, and protective older brother waiting for me in the living room. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, did they do like a blood in, blood out situation when he walked yeah. in? It seemed they had decided that this was the right occasion to inquire as to my intentions with their daughter slash sister and to emphasize their religious values. I survived this preliminary conversation and was relieved when the mo- movie started. Words cannot describe the palpable tension when, during, quote, the reluctant fundamentalist, a sex scene that seemed to last forever ensued and her pious family members frowned and tutted with disapproval, while her brother intermittently looked at me with a kind of don't-be-getting-any-ideas sort of glare. When the scene was over, her grandma, with perfect timing, said, We can all breathe out now. So my question to you is this. Have you ever had an awkward movie-watching experience where the social makeup of the room and the chosen film was all wrong? Lots of love and keep on flopping in the free world. Matthew... Last name withheld. Oh, that's tough because I think every single one of these would just be a, a movie watching experience that I had at one of Dan's movie nights. Okay. Uh, but like a lot of times when you do those uh, horror movie parties, uh-huh. I think sometimes you'll make a, a choice that's maybe wrong for the the like, wrong for the room. Yeah, like watching brain damage with a bunch of people who aren't ready to see a uh, a woman get killed by the worm that she thought was going to be a penis. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I did think to myself, maybe this was a bad call when I I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that. it was like the worst thing in the world, but like, I feel like the the audience was visibly not not, not really into excited. it. Mm-hmm. Sure. This no, isn't quite the same thing, but like, I, I used to have a roommate who every time we watched a movie that featured characters with tattoos, he would loudly complain about how fake their tattoos looked. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Which made movies like, uh, like we started watching like Place Beyond the Pines, and I'm like, I, t- I'm not that worried about the tattoos, man. I'm just into this movie. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't really have a good one. Uh, I do remember that um, when I was uh, younger, I, uh, I, uh, 
was watching Dangerous Liaisons with my mm-hmm. uh, cousin. This is not really the. This is not really an answer to the question. It's just the only thing that's that sprung into my mind. We're watching Dangerous Liaisons, which I had seen before. Yeah. And my mom came into the room and she was like, "What are you guys doing?" Like she was like, mm-hmm. she was very upset that I was watching this movie. That she thinks you should have been watching Cruel Intentions. Instead. Mm-hmm. She was like, "That's much more age appropriate." Yeah. Version of the story. No, I mean, like you know, I don't know. It's not like you see Uma, Uma Thurman's breasts in a in a scene. It's uh-huh. not like it's. It's It's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. Like she was very distressed by that um, in a way that that I think she didn't need to be. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Yeah, it's like the famous story I say about my mom walking in, watching me see uh, see the sex scene of Terminator. And I was laughing during it. And she turned off the VHS tape forcibly because, as she said... It's no laughing matter. They're doing it for the future. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, it was like my favorite thing my mom's ever said to me. Like, thank you for like explaining the narrative. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Really engaged by this movie. <laughs> she really cared about the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, this uh, last letter is from uh, David, last name censored under the Official Secrets Act. Oh, wow. Uh, he says, hey, Flopperoonies. I have a conundrum that only you three can solve. The three in question are, of course, Dan Stewart and the Flophouse Cat. Okay. As a gentleman of the English persuasion, I occasionally find American accents hard to understand. Somewhat ironic, considering I'm from the north of the UK, where accents vary more than Elliot's pitch in a letter song. I have listened to almost wow. 200 episodes <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, wait, Dan, I gotta, I gotta mop up all this tea David just spilled. <laughs> Uh, I've listened to almost 200 episodes of the podcast, and I've just realized that I can't tell Dan and Stuart apart. Wow. Uh, this must be your nightmare uh, scenario, yeah, then, yeah, now yeah. that Elliot's gone. Yeah, he's thinking it's like an Andy Serkis Gollum situation where one person's doing both voices. Well, wait, that, no, wait, that was, he thinks it's the same voice. Uh, yeah. Just go on. So I'm proposing two potential solutions, neither of which require any effort or work on my part, obviously. Uh-huh. Either Dan and Stuart begin each sentence with their names, a la Pokemon, uh-huh, yeah. or Archie can be trained to meow every time Dan speaks, thereby confirming it is his master speaking. I suggest nothing in return for these suggestions behind, besides, I request nothing in return for these suggestions besides undying gratitude. Uh-huh. Yours so, in floppitude, David. So which one do you want to do, Dan? Um, hmm. Do you want to start saying, well, uh, Stuart is saying, do you want to start saying our names? Uh, Dan is saying no. That seems onerous. I don't know if I can. Stuart is saying, I don't know. It's going to. Uh, I, I already am having trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to train Archie. I guess that's the only option. Mm-hmm. Okay, Archie. well, Archie has already left the room because okay, he Okay, so we'll like, have to get on that. Fuck this. Next time. <laughs> uh, let's do this fast. I can feel the weight of talking this much, uh, weighing on both of us. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. I'm loving this. Finally, Stuart's time to shine. Yeah. Um, we should do recommendations of movies you should definitely watch instead of uh, Crimble Wand. Crimes of Crimble Wand. Uh, I'm going to talk about a movie uh, that's also a little bit about old timey bullshit. Uh, I'm going to recommend the movie Only Lovers Left Alive, uh, the Jim Jarmusch vampire movie uh, starring Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. And also a little guy named John Hurt. Uh, so after I said those four names, 
uh, you are probably already, if you haven't seen it, you're already probably pulling it over to your Netflix queue and hitting play. Uh, but it's this great little vampire movie that mainly focuses on like hanging out and how, uh, being a vampire would, a lot of it would just be like kind of a hassle and be kind of boring and, uh, and how the like horror of it is just becoming more and more, uh, distanced from the world that you're a part of and how, how that can weigh on you. Um, and also how you can both dislike humans uh, because of your differences, but also require them as a reflection for your own artistic and uh, emotional impulses. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was great. Okay. And I will recommend a movie that uh, probably needs no recommendation because I think it's doing fairly well in the theaters. But these days I don't see a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. What are you going to recommend? I saw Shazam. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I got scared for a second. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, like the fun thing about Shazam is that like it's really actually kind of like this sweet movie about a kid finding his place in a group home, an orphaned kid finding uh-huh. his place in a group home, sort of dressed up as a, a big, goofy superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's just you know it's it's funny and sweet and you know people compare it to big obviously and it's got some of the same spirit without Except someone the... having sex with a yeah, little okay. little boy uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it's it's great I will say that at one hundred and thirty some minutes it's Yikes. way too long it's especially like, uh, like Aquaman being two and a half hours get the fuck out of here dude. yeah especially um, <laughs> especially the last fucking fight which goes on for so goddamn long that like i heard the woman halfway through it not even like towards the end halfway through it the woman next to me said um this is a long fight scene (laughs) and even even though i was at the alamo draft house with their famous no talking policy i could not get mad at her because she spake such uh such truth yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie. Afterwards, you went up to the front desk and you're like, I would like to request a new movie series. This woman t- explaining truth to me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but otherwise, otherwise, I will say this movie would be kind of a perfect family film, except for there's just some surprising violence in it. Like there's a scene in a boardroom where like a big scary monster bites someone's head off. Whoa. And like selling point. There's a scene where like Santa Claus is on fire. Like a guy dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He shows up. Okay. Later on. But like I, I I watched it. And as a childless man, this is not usually a concern of mine, Uh but it's such a sweet movie. Otherwise that I, I did think like that's unnecessary. Like a kid should be able to see this movie. It's, It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like the end of uh, the end of the Kingsman, where you're like, "Oh, this would be a fun movie for a teenage a teenager to watch," and then you're like, "Oh no, no, oh, this isn't a fun movie for anyone to watch." <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um. So that's uh, the show, I guess. That's uh, right. The, that's the Flophouse podcast. Sadly, Elliot's not here. He probably would have told you about some kind of old timey movie mm-hmm. uh, that you may Let's or assume, may not have heard of. Yeah, that it was. Uh, People exiting uh, a factory or whatever that that mm-hmm. first movie that was ever shot was. So let's let's say that that was what he recommended. Yeah, but he would uh, he would give a description of the movie that would be longer than the movie itself, and uh, you would all be impressed. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, so that's us. Uh, this is a podcast. You can find it. Uh, we're part of the Maximum Fun Network. Mm-hmm. You can find it over at MaximumFun.org. There's a lot of other great shows over there uh, that cater to all different types of stuff. Comedy, culture, comedy and culture, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can also find us here every two weeks. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I've been Dan McCoy. Somehow this was a more professional ending than normal. Because <laughs> I'm behind the wheel. Bye. Bye. <laughs>so okay dan you're not feeling so well Stu, you're you're coming off of a cold guys yeah i'm doing fine i'm i'm not used to doing this but i guess i'm gonna have to do a lot of talking during this episode oh boy Uh, uh uh-oh fasten your fasten your uh, your seat belts your sneet belts i was gonna try and i was trying to come up with a joke but i couldn't so fasten your meat belts it's gonna be a Mm -hmm. meaty ride I think that's what I would say uh, if I was hosting a, a steak eating contest, is I would say, fasten yeah. your meat belts. And then you would pause for applause. <laughs> <laughs> Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.